Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. We've got an absolutely loaded show on tap for you guys tonight. Before we get into any topics, I, I just gotta I gotta mention it's Victory Monday. I'm a Steelers fan. Got the terrible towel back here, baby. Let's go. Not really in the frame that much, but hey, great win against the Rams. I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit. Uh, later in the show for my fellow Steelers fans. Put the towel off to the side. I'll, I'll bring it out later. But I'm not going to lie. The weekend got off to a rough start for me, given the fact that my balls choked a – I shouldn't say choked. That's too strong. Blew a 13-point halftime lead to Alabama. I got shut out 27 zilch in the second half. Not not, not, a, not a fun Saturday afternoon for me. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, uh, listen, I know Bama fans are going to come after me potentially. Uh, I welcome it because you know what? Y'all deserve it. Y'all deserve it. You do. Okay. I'm not going to talk about that much today. What I am going to talk about, however – is the crazy day when the end had the NFL yesterday? About to get into Philadelphia. Uh, gonna get into Jalen Hurts as well. Also, Buffalo can't trust them. Been telling you that since before the season started. They validated everything that I've been saying about them. Uh, not just last Monday when I said it's literally impossible for them to win the Super Bowl. But you know what? On Carving Up Live, we're not just all about complaining about problems. We're about finding solutions. How do we fix problems? That's what we do on Carving Up Live. Gotta find a solution for the Buffalo Bills. That it's not gonna happen this season. This off season. Stay tuned, Bills Mafia. Okay, I love y'all. So I, just stay tuned. I'll try to help y'all out. Okay. Also, going to get into the, uh, the 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 Baltimore Ravens doing what they did to the Detroit Lions. One could argue my Detroit Lions, given how much faith I have in them this season. Uh, Baltimore did their thing. Lamar Jackson was absolutely sensational. Going to get into him and get into blank check guys, blank check quarterbacks in the NFL. Guys who I would, if they came to the negotiating table, I'm like, all right, quarterbacks, hey, whatever your name is, ex-quarterbacks, say, you know what? what's what's the price? What do you want? Okay, you you name the price, buddy, and we'll negotiate. We'll work this thing out. Lamar's absolutely one of those guys, as we saw, he got his money this offseason. Going to talk about him. Also, Kansas City Chiefs, why I believe they had their best offensive performance of the season yesterday. Uh, and, of course, Astros and Rangers, Game 7 predictions. We got a Game 7 tonight. We got a Game 6 in the NLCS going on right now between Philly, uh, Philadelphia, and, and Arizona. It's 3-1 Diamondbacks after two, so maybe could be trending towards a Game 7 there. We'll see. Uh, and, again, also predictions for tonight's matchup between between the Minnesota Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers. But first, I may hate the Philadelphia Eagles with a passion. Dating back to my days formerly as a Cowboys fan, as a Dak Prescott fan, I still hate Philadelphia. And uh, not in a sports sense. I don't actually hate the people of Philadelphia, although they'd certainly get on my last nerves. Uh, and I also dislike Philadelphia. You know why? Because they happen to be in-state rivals with my Pittsburgh Steelers. That, and again, they're one of the most obnoxious and horrendous and uh, just bad fan bases out there in the world of sports. But I will say this. I can't let, and one of the few things I try not to do on this show, is let my love of something or my hate for something, both in a sports context, of course, blind me from what the truth is. I'm no journalist, not going to pretend to be, but I try to be honest. That's the goal in this show. Give my honest, objective opinions. Philadelphia, I've said this for probably a year on my show, and I, and I strongly believe it to be true. I think they're the one of the most well-run organizations in professional sports. I really do. Jeffrey Lurie, their owner, is fantastic. Stays out the way. He's like, you know what? I'm going to manage the business side of Philadelphia. And he does a great job of that. Marketing, you know, it's not as good as, say, the Cowboys or necessarily like the Patriots or teams like that. Does a heck of a job marketing the Philadelphia Eagles product. Howie Roseman. We just saw literally hours ago trading for Kevin Bynard of the Tennessee Titans to shore up that secondary. I absolutely positively 
Love the move for Philadelphia. Uh, getting one of the best players at that position, adding it to to what's was kind of a secondary that I still you know kind of have questions about, but they address some of that. Uh, Howie Rosen is a brilliant general manager. And uh, listen, let's be honest, uh, Nick Sirianni is a pretty good coach. And what I love about Nick Sirianni, then I'll get into Philadelphia's performance last night against, against Miami. Nick Sirianni is a guy that first season in the NFL, the Eagles are three and six, and he's like, uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the play calling duties to Shane Steichen. Eagles took off that year, made the playoffs. Next year, almost won the Super Bowl. Now Shane Steichen's gone. You saw this offense deal with a little bit of an identity crisis. What are they? You had guys like AJ Brown, who up until last night, and he extended the streak last night, had four straight games of 125 yards or more. You also had a running game that was that was pounding the NFL every game outside of last week against the Jets. And that's really what I love about Philadelphia. Not again, I don't like the Eagles. I root against the Eagles basically every week unless they I pick them. Obviously, is that there's a there's a mix of old school football and new school football, the Philadelphias. They don't go all in on one side or the other. Very unlike the Miami Dolphins team they played last night, and I still I still think Miami is a contender in the AFC. I really do. Uh, they need to shore up that defense. They'll get Jalen Ramsey back. They'll get... Uh, They'll get uh, Xavier Howard back uh, soon enough from injury. Both of those guys are hurt. They'll get some of their offensive linemen back. But Miami is, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, I, I'm, I've always been a believer of, of evolving with the times. Don't stay stuck in your ways. You know, it's like I was saying about analytics and baseball, right? You, you, you use analytics. You don't go all in on analytics. You don't say analytics are going to drive every single decision we make. But you're also, if you if you totally distance yourself from analytics, you kind of sound like a crusty old manager who's just kind of behind the times, right? There's a healthy medium and anything in life, but especially in sports. And that's what Philadelphia does with what they have with, with AJ Brown, who was sensational last night, who really did expose the weaknesses in that Dolphin secondary, given the injuries they had. When you have a, a, a Jalen Hurts, more on him uh, a little later on the show, but you have a Jalen Hurts who that fourth down play, uh, the, the, the throw to AJ Brown to the one yard line, when he's rolling out to his right, he he's like breaks a sack. That's one of the best plays I've ever seen Jalen Hurts make. I mean, I don't know if people know how tough of a throw that is. Rolling now, and it's to his strong side, it's to his right side, sure. But basically off his back foot, and that ball has to be absolutely perfect on A.J. Brown. Hit him right in the hands, which it did. Initially, it was, it was thought to be a touchdown. Uh, it ended up getting called back because he was down at the one-yard line. Philadelphia still scored there. Uh, but you have an A.J. Brown, goes for a buck 37. You also have a Philadelphia Eagles running game that's still kind of finding its way a little bit. But DeAndre Swift, I like the fact that they committed to him a little bit more than they have. Certainly last week against the Jets when they only got 10 carries. He got 15 carries. Jalen Hurts at 11. And Kenneth Gainwell, who had a touchdown run, uh, had eight carries. But Philadelphia is a mix between old and new. It's what I love. It's what I love about San Francisco. It's what I love to a lesser degree, but Kansas City. Kansas City can run the football on you. We saw that in the Super Bowl against Philadelphia. It's what Cincinnati does well. Uh, so I, I think it's more on Buffalo later, but Buffalo's tried to shift to that, and it's just really not in their identity it's to, to do so. And frankly, it's not really in their personnel to do so. Again, more of the Bills later. But I just love that Philadelphia is good at playing the healthy medium. You know what I'm saying? And it's you say, well, what about the old school football? It's not just running the ball because a lot of teams do that. It's the 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 brotherly shove, which it's it's probably the most polarizing. <laughs> it's probably the most polarizing play in all of sports, certainly in the NFL. It's like the, you have people that are all for it, and you have people who absolutely hate it, think it's going to get outlawed. My guess it is it's probably going to get outlawed at some point or another. However. 
You had the head coach at the game, Nick Sirianni, saying, hey, they can't do as well as us. Can't stop it. Don't like it. Try and stop us. And frankly put, that's a quarterback sneak that doesn't get you a yard, yard and a half, half yard if the case calls for it. No, they can get three, four yards of that thing. Literally. When you have Jason Kelsey, when you have Lane Johnson, when you have those excellent interior offensive linemen, when you have Jalen Hurts who can squat 600 pounds, when you have some of these big running backs Philadelphia has to push, push forward, push Jalen Hurts forward, it's hard to stop. And I think there is a little bit, just a little bit of hypocrisy behind people who say, you know, we don't like this play. It's bad for football or it's it's not aesthetically pleasing. It's not aesthetically pleasing. I agree with that. It's, it's not, I mean, the Dolphins are on their A game are much prettier to watch. Again, I'll get into Miami in a second as well. But what I love about uh, this is a little bit of hypocrisy in terms of Folks say, oh, they don't like how the NFL's soft, or it's buddy-buddy, the whole bit, right? The NFL's softened up, which I'm all in favor of rule changes. Anything to keep players safe, I'm for it. But you hate the brotherly shove. You hate the tush-push, whatever you want to call it. You don't like that play. It reminds me a little bit of how everybody bags on the NBA. Oh, my God, it's so soft, and the players all like each other. But then you hate Draymond Green. Like, be consistent. Be one way or be the other. Uh, so, I listen, I, I was of the mindset, uh, you know, early this season or late last season, because Philadelphia ran this play a ton last season, that, eh, it's not, it's not great for the, for the television product. But it's also, in a certain sense, like, Philadelphia's kind of head of the league in terms of the personnel they've, they've employed to run this play to perfection. I mean, it's very, not to, not to reference my Golden State Warriors again, but there was a time about seven, eight years ago where it's like, oh my God, I think Golden State broke the game. Like, these people can't stop it. But once the league caught up, Golden State had to adjust. Other teams won championships. Eventually, other teams, we think, will catch up if this play is an outlaw, which I'm not really sure how you can outlaw it. Uh, I guess just however many people you have in the backfield, whatever the case may be. But Philadelphia has embraced what makes them great. I mean, I said this after they they beat Minnesota. It was kind of close, kind of chippy uh, in a game that probably shouldn't have been as such. We see now the Vikings are 2-4 and four and kind of in shambles right now. Philadelphia, obviously, amongst the contenders in the NFC. But that's what I, I respect that a lot about the Eagles, is that they know who they are. And they're not going to deviate from that. There's a lot of good teams. That can't say that. I mean, what what the heck is Buffalo? What is Dallas on some occasion? Philadelphia knows who they are. Props to them. And uh, again, they combined a mix of old school football and new school football and developed this healthy medium, drafted players that fit both. I mean, it's crazy. They have, I don't know if anybody's seen this. I saw this today. They have seven, they've drafted seven defensive linemen in the first round. Seven other dip, defensive linemen. Again, most plays, it's four defensive linemen on the field. They've drafted seven in the first round. They've gone all in on that aspect of their defense. By the way, they've drafted well and, 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 and developed offensive lines well. So, you know, organizations that have a sense of who they are but also can simultaneously adjust to the times, those are the organizations that win in sports, and those are certainly the organizations that win in the National Football League, and Philadelphia is doing just that. Uh, do I think they're the NFC favorite today? I know, listen, overreaction Monday, it's it's the it's the thing in, in the NFL, it's the thing in, in professional sports. Uh, but you, you, you see everybody's, oh my God, the Eagles are the favorites today. Well, I mean, San Francisco didn't exactly just go anywhere. Detroit got embarrassed more on them later. I still think Dallas is in that mix. Uh, so let, let's, let's not... Let's not overreact too much. If you already believe Philadelphia is the favorite to begin with, then that's that's one thing. But if we're just going to go week to week, week to week, well, who's the favorite and who's not? So uh, Philadelphia is certainly in the discussion, though. There's no question about that. And I said about the Eagles coming into 
this game, and I did pick Philadelphia to win because I thought they matched up better with, with Miami, uh, in large part due to their physicality. But I said coming into this one is that two months from now, I think I said December, was it December 18th of this year, we'll know exactly who the Philadelphia Eagles are in terms of contending for championships. Because that stretch we talked about on carving it up, like that that upcoming eight-game stretch, and they got one of the games out of the way. They won one of their games, so props to them. Again, I, I picked them to win. They were favored to win, but hats off to them for doing what they did offensively and defensively. Uh, but that seven-eight-game stretch for Philadelphia was brutal, right? Because you had uh, Miami. We know the high-flying offense that they have, and I thought Miami would be more, uh, you know, have a better offensive showing, only scoring 10 points as an offense. The defense got seven points in the pick six off Hurts. Uh, but then you got at Washington, who's kind of mediocre, as we saw yesterday, getting, losing to the Tyrod Taylor-led Giants. But at the same time, Washington's given Philadelphia problems the last two years. But then you got Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, Niners, Dallas, Seahawks, uh, and then he finished through three games against three bad teams, one of them twice, and then the Giants and the Cardinals. So and that last three-game stretch will be, be good for the Eagles to kind of get healthy and, and get right before the playoffs uh, start. But took care of one of them. And I said, if they get out of this with a 6-2 and two record, hey, they, they are. I'm all in on Philadelphia in terms of their ability to contend. Not that I wasn't before the season, but especially uh, now, because we, we, we know they kind of weren't tested last year. And the great quarterbacks they did play that were in rainstorms, a.k.a. that game against Trevor Lawrence, uh, they got shredded. I mean, Dak Prescott hung 40 on that defense. I mean, if they played any quarterback of competence, they got they, they got it handed to him. So, but good good for the Eagles for getting this W. Uh, more on Jalen Hurts in just a moment. But uh, I, do, I did want to touch on Miami briefly. Chris Collinsworth, uh, analyst for NBC, I thought he kind of hit on it. Miami needed that. They did. And there's kind of been this, this narrative about Miami, like, well, they don't beat good teams, which is totally fair because the best team that they beat in this season is the two and four Chargers. And we saw what they did yesterday, the egg they laid uh, offensively and defensively, especially against the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's kind of the, 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 the you know what Miami is to a certain degree? You know, they're starting to remind me of, and I don't want to be, I don't want this to sound harsh, but they remind me a little bit of last, last year's Vikings. Just a little bit, where beat bad teams. Now the difference is Minnesota was was just barely hanging in with with some of these mid tier to bad football teams, and then getting housed by good football teams. Uh, that's not necessarily Miami, although the two best teams they face, they've gotten absolutely destroyed. Uh, I think they've lost by combined six touchdowns, and if you include the game against Buffalo earlier this season, so. You have to factor that in as well. But Miami was a little bit, I mentioned Philadelphia mixing old school with the new school. Miami's gone. I shouldn't even say too much into the new school aspect of football, into the analytical side, into the, the past first offense. I think you should do that in the NFL. Uh, but it is football. You know, my, my buddy Ryan Flowers always says, Ryan Flowers, host of Clutch Sports Talk here on the Grid Network. Uh, really great guy. I've had him on the show multiple times. I consider him a good friend. Ryan all the time says, uh, you know, when it comes down to you know, discussions about whether or not the, the NFL should make the game safer. And he's like, well, you can, but you know, it's like trying to make a cigarette healthier. You know what I'm saying? Like making a, a, an inherently violent sport safer. There's only so far you can go without eliminating some, just some massive uh, measures in order to get there. Football's a physical game. Philly gets that. San Francisco gets that. Kansas City, defensively, certainly, and offensively on the offensive line, they get that. Miami got a little bit exposed in that regard. Now, can they sort of course correct? Can they get that this game out of their system? 
Watch the tape, see what they need to do. By the way, get some offensive linemen back from injury, get their top two corners back from injury sooner rather than later, sure. But that was a little bit of a wake-up call for the Miami Dolphins. That, sure, you lost to Buffalo, but, man, everybody has a bad game. Detroit just got their you-know-what's kicked yesterday against the Baltimore Ravens. Like, it, it happens in the National Football League. It's a it's a week-to-week league. Every Sunday, any given Sunday is, is the movie with, you know, with, with, with Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx. Like, you never know. It's what makes the NFL so great and so hard to, so hard to predict, as we know. Um, Miami needed that. And so whether or not they can bounce back is going to be, you know, only time's going to be able to tell that who the Dolphins have next week. So Miami's five and two. Okay. Yeah. They got New England next week and New England's flying high, feeling good about themselves more on them later on the show. Miami should win that game. And then they got a big test against Kansas City overseas in Germany two weeks from now. And then they'll have a bye. So a big next couple of weeks for, for the Dolphins. And, uh, but they needed that. I don't think there's any question about it. Before I get into Jalen Hurts real quick, there's a comment from my man Barry Grant Jr., big Cowboys fan, host of the All Even podcast here on the grid. <laughs> he says, he says, damn those Eagles. Yeah, I mean, you know, that they're a listen, I picked Dallas to win that division. I'm gonna stand by that pick. I still think they're they're fully capable of doing that. I think they match up pretty well with Philadelphia, but in terms of who's better run, oh my god, it's not even close. It's not, it's not even a contest. Not even close. For Jalen Hurts, so he certainly played better last night than he did in that game against the Jets when he almost single-handedly gave that game away uh, to, to a Zach Wilson quarterback team. But Jalen was fine last night, 23-31, two touchdown passes, a pick. More on that later. QBR 75, though. That's that's really good. 0-100, to 100, QBR 75, and a pass rating of 109. And he also ran for a touchdown this game as well. So Jalen has, again, good bounce-back performance for him. Uh, I know a lot of folks are talking, and, and I've been one of them, have talked about the turnovers, how they've increased significantly from last year. Just this year, Jalen Hurts has eight interceptions in six games and two lost fumbles. That's a total of 10 turnovers in only seven games. So that's a bit of a concern if you're Philadelphia. And the the fact of the matter is, and I'll get into the the bigger concern for me, at least for Jalen in just a second, but, you know, there's the whole, you know, all turnovers aren't created equal. Like, it's the same result. If you throw a pick, you fumble, that, that just happens. But they're not all created equal. My thing with the the interception thing is if you're throwing double-digit picks, if you're throwing, heck, as many as 15. Uh, Stafford, I think a couple of years ago, threw like 20 picks. Uh, and then the Rams still won the Super Bowl. If you're throwing picks because you're taking risks, if you're throwing interceptions because you're you're pushing the ball down the field, and you know sometimes it's, you know what did Bruce Arians say back in the day? No risk it, no biscuit. You know, if you're Derek Carr, no, no shots at Derek Carr here, but if you're Derek Carring it around, dinking and dunking, you're not going to throw picks, but you're also probably not going to generate a whole lot of offense. So you take the good with the bad. Most of Jalen's picks this year, however, have not been, have not come off of those type of plays. They've come off of just poor reads. Last night, the pick, not seeing uh, the lineman right there on, again, that was on, it's not his blind side. Obviously, it wasn't because that's where he's throwing the ball. Uh, it was on the right side and just totally missed the guy. And obviously he had the fumble uh, early in that game as well, but thankfully his for him his defense kind of bailed him out and held Miami to a field goal uh, in Philadelphia territory. So that's that's a legitimate concern. Again, I'm not hearing that same energy for Jalen Hurts' picks that I did for Dax last year. That's you know well, I don't even know why I brought that up. What what's Dak got to do with this? My biggest concern for Jalen Hurts, however, is this, and I don't think anybody's bringing this up in large part because Philadelphia won. Philadelphia lost. Maybe this would be more of a concern, but they're six and one. Everybody feels good. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is right physically. I mean, how many times last night did you see him kind of walking a little gimpy, didn't didn't look all the way 100%? And we saw last year when he got hurt in that game against Chicago, finished the game, but come on, it was Chicago. They had the worst team in football last year. 
Missed the next two games. They lost to Dallas and New Orleans, but then came back for that game against the Giants because he had to come back. Otherwise, Philadelphia, although Dallas ended up losing, so it wouldn't have mattered, but Philadelphia didn't know that. They needed, they needed to win one game to get the division title and the one seed, and Jalen didn't look so great in that game. He gets a bunch of backups in New York. But then two weeks later, they played the Giants, but it was kind of the run game who got it done and the defense against Daniel Jones. The next game, he didn't have to do anything, and smartly so by the Eagles coaching staff because they were playing against a team without a quarterback after the first quarter in the San Francisco 49ers. So once he, again, he didn't get a ton of reps, didn't throw the ball a heck of a lot in, in those two playoff games, then got the extra week of rest, comes out in the Super Bowl against a good Kansas City defense and plays out of his mind. I mean, throws for 300 yards, multiple touchdowns. He was, he was spectacular. He was the best player on the field not named Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, once he got that rest, he was good. Uh, but again, I mentioned this Philadelphia Eagles tough schedule coming up. They have Washington next week. That's absolutely the easiest game coming up over the next seven. But if you're, if you're Philadelphia, and I'm dead serious when I say this, and I know I got ridiculed about my, my view of Joe Burrow and how the Bengals should have handled it, and frankly, it looks like I was wrong on that one because Burrow is getting healthier. And Jalen is a big, strong athlete. Would it be... Out of bounds. If the Eagles said, okay, Washington's not playing well. They scored seven points against the Giants. Marcus Mariota is kind of the perfect backup for Jalen Hurts in a way that Gardner Minshew was not. Gardner Minshew is a very good backup, but just isn't. You want your backup quarterback to be very similar to your starter. And Gardner Minshew simply stylistically just isn't similar to Jalen Hurts. Marcus Mariota is. He is a poor man's version of Jalen Hurts. Marcus Mariota could probably step in this game. By the way, that the, the, the commanders don't have a ton of film on him as the quarterback of the Eagles outside of some, some vanilla game plan preseason action from August. See, Jalen Hurts a week. Have him ready to go against the, against the Cowboys, Chiefs. Uh, and they got the Bills, Niners, and Cowboys again. And Seattle after that in Seattle. I'm just saying that if, if Jalen Hurts, God forbid, knock on wood for him, if he were to go down, Philadelphia's in Big trouble. They, they cannot win a Super Bowl without Jalen Hurts. Without saying he's a, he's a, he's a special player. Uh, that 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 to me now is that the reason for for some of his interceptions? Is he not able to step into his throws as much? I don't know. Uh, he still looks relatively mobile. Again, like I mentioned earlier, he made that fourth down play. But he, I'm telling you, folks, he does not. I, I get everybody's hurt in the NFL, but you have to manage your quarterback with extra special care in these situations, especially given the fact we're in mid October. If this is mid to late December, it's the playoff push. It's kind of you know, shoot it up or wrap it up or whatever. Just get it ready to play. Put them out there. Just survive the 60 minutes and move on to next week. But given we're October, trade deadline is not till next week. Do you have a little bit of insurance your Philadelphia? Now, I get it. They're in a tough division race with Dallas. They're in a tough one-seed race with Detroit and San Francisco. It's not a crazy idea. At least I don't think it is. But good win for the Eagles. Uh, they they did what I thought they'd do. I didn't think they'd win by 14. I had I think I had, by, had them by a field goal because Miami could expose Philadelphia's deficiencies as a secondary, but then I guess I didn't factor in the fact that, that Miami was missing multiple offensive linemen. But good one for the Eagles. By the way, I haven't said this in a while, at least early in my show, so might as well get a, a good reminder out there. So uh, I set the goal before the NFL season. Sardis, that was seven weeks ago. I cannot believe we were almost done with week seven. The season's already flown by. A third of it's basically over. Uh, but I, I, I set the goal before the season. Like, let's see if we can get carving it up to 1,000 subscribers uh, by Super Bowl 58. So that would be February the 11th. Let's get 1,000 subscribers, 1K subscribers to the show uh, by February the 11th. So that is four months from now. 
And we're at, I think we're at 477 now. So like I said, if you subscribe, thank you so much. I cannot even tell you how much I appreciate that. Uh, again, if you have not subscribed, you know what to do. Hit the big red subscribe button. It just takes you a couple seconds to do so. We, we greatly appreciate it, of course, and, and all your support means the world. If you have subscribed, though, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their aunt, tell their uncle, tell their mom, their dad to tell a friend to subscribe to the show. I think we can get to 1,000. I really do. I think the math adds up. And obviously, like I mentioned, the, the support is, has been absolutely spectacular. So thank you so much for, for getting us to this point uh, thus far, and hopefully we can grow the show even further. To another game. So the, the one for me outside of Philadelphia and Miami to watch was in the 1 o'clock window, unfortunately, but it was still, still a marquee matchup for, for that slate of games at that time of the day was the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I was absolutely dead wrong on this one. Uh, I picked Detroit, who I, I mentioned on Bryson's Best 10 on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. Obviously, this week's edition will be coming in a couple of days as well. I said that the Detroit Lions, it was easy for me to say that they were the best team in football. Their only loss that season at that point had come in overtime against a very good Seattle team. They'd beaten the Chiefs on the road. This defense had looked night and day different than what it did a year ago. Jared Goff was playing good football, and I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of what-ifs with the Ravens. Like, hey, if the Ravens' defense can put together a complete game, if the Ravens' offense, if, if receivers could catch passes for once, if Lamar could get the consistency from those guys, then they can beat Detroit. And I'm like, okay, I've seen, I've seen Detroit do this consistently. Not necessarily Baltimore. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we saw Baltimore do it yesterday. How about 38-6? In in MNT Bank Stadium, I know my man Devin, uh, who you know we get on each other often because he's a he's a Ravens fan. I'm a Steelers fan. There's a, <laughs> some strong disagreements there, uh, but I guarantee you, Devin was 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 beside himself. But uh, Lamar Jackson, simply put, was absolutely spectacular. And this matchup against the Detroit again, more on sort of his my outlook for him and other quarterbacks in just a second. But Lamar, 21 to 27, 357 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, also ran for another, so counted for four touchdowns of the day. Had a QBR zero to 100 of 95 and a passer rating of 155.8. So Lamar literally could not have played better in this game to get the Ravens to uh, to a W, to get the Ravens to a five and two record at the top of the AFC North, which is a brutal division right now uh let's go Steelers but here's the thing with Lamar Jackson I heard this briefly posed on first take this morning on ESPN and a similar question was sort of raised two weeks ago and there was a different answer given but whatever about that eh, looks like the Ravens have gotten their their money's worth for Lamar yeah duh they They've been getting their money's worth for Lamar Jackson. Now, obviously, this is the first year of this long contract that he signed this offseason. But it, it's it never it never ceases to amaze me that once we get into these cycles of quarterbacks in negotiations with teams, and sometimes it'll drag out a little bit. It dragged out a long time for Dak. It's dragged out a long time for Lamar Jackson. And frankly, I thought it dragged out a little too long on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, is that we start these discussions. Well... Is this guy asking for too much? Is the organization right for standing standing their ground to a certain extent? No, you pay these guys. Now, obviously, Lamar didn't get exactly what he wanted. He didn't get all the guaranteed money he wanted. Him and the Ravens were able to come to come to an agreement on a on a a very lucrative deal, to say the very least, over two hundred million dollars uh, to be exact. 
But I was thinking about this and thinking about Lamar's performance. And Lamar, I think right now is is along there with Pat, right there with Patrick Mahomes as the MVP frontrunners. By the way, Lamar himself has an MVP on his resume, similar to Mahomes, which he won uh, just four years ago. But I was thinking about okay, what quarterbacks would come to the table? If I was if I was a general manager, if I was an owner, what quarterbacks are going to come to the table? And I'm like, you know what? Name your price. Whatever the market bears, wherever the market's trending, you name your price, buddy, and we'll get this worked out. And sorry, what I was thinking is, I think it's narrowed down to just just a few people, eight people, and, and not a few, literally, not three people, but eight people where I'm like, you know what? I've seen them when the fit hits the sham, when stuff is not going well, and I defenses is not playing well, or I got an offensive lineman down, or he's not getting help from his running game. Like, everything isn't perfect. Not that all things are going wrong because it's hard to win games that way, but stuff just isn't going your way. Maybe you're dealing with the coaching deficiency. I've seen you win in the playoffs before. I've seen you, uh, you know, be successful in the regular season with bad teams to get to the playoffs. I've seen these quarterbacks do this, and I narrowed it down to eight. These are eight quarterbacks that I'm like, I would literally, I put the graphic up for the YouTube audience. I'll read it off for the podcast audience. Eight guys that I'm like, Name your price. As long as it's within the realm of what the quarterback market's trending to, name your price. Here are the guys. Where's the list? Do we have the list up here? Here it is. Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Hurts, Lawrence. I'm sorry. Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Hurts, Lamar, Dak, Herbert, Josh Allen. That's it. Tua, never seen Tua play a playoff game. He hasn't proven to me, knock on wood, that he can this year. He hasn't proven to me that he can stay healthy over the course of a season. Jared Goff, love Goff, think he's a top 10 quarterback, but we saw yesterday, and we've always known this about Goff, but we certainly saw yesterday uh, that when the pocket isn't clean, he can't make he make, can't make plays outside the pocket. He's kind of the last of a dying breed of just pure pocket passers. Now, the good news for Goff is he plays behind one of the best offensive lines in football, and so the pocket usually is clean. When it's not, he gets exposed. He can't, we've never seen Jared Goff when, uh, during, or under dire circumstances carry a team. Certainly to a lot of wins. Last time it was dire, Detroit won three games. We see Mahomes do it with either injuries uh, to himself or to others with below average receiving cores. We've seen Burrow do it with bad offensive lines. He's dealing with another one this year. We've seen Lawrence do it down 27 to nothing against the Los Angeles Chargers come back and win. We've seen him get uh, a two and six Jaguars team to the playoffs. We've seen Justin Herbert with... The man is yet to have a good offensive coordinator through four years of his career, yet to have a competent head coach. Although I liked Anthony Lynn. He wasn't great. He's certainly better than the, what he's got now in Brandon Staley. We've seen Justin Herbert be successful. And I'll defend Justin Herbert a little later. I think he's still an incredible talent. Uh, we have seen people like, what about Aaron Rodgers? He's 40 years old, coming off an Achilles surgery. He's not a blank check guy at this stage of his career. I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers is in the stage where he's like, he, I should say he doesn't want to be a blank check guy, but I mean, he took a pay cut for the Jets. He took a pay cut literally just so the Jets can put more talent because he's like, man, I've made my money. I've carried enough teams. I want, I want the help around me now. Again, this is not to imply that, the, that these quarterbacks are dealing with bad circumstances every Sunday, but I know if things are going wrong, I'm, I'm confident in them that they can, they can get it done uh, in, in, in the long run and get me a win uh, if, if things aren't going 100%. And that's what Lamar's proven. Lamar's gotten to the playoffs literally with teams. I mean, last year... Rashard Bateman. The number one receiver. Now, shocker, shocker, them OBJ. You give him Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, who was never a superstar. 
sudden, we, Nelson Aguilar is like a, a house, household name. You already have Mark Andrews, who's one of the premier tight ends in football. You give him a great defense. Oh, what do you know? Lamar Jackson's pretty good. Lamar Jackson is, and this is the narrative about Lamar that drives me absolutely insane. This notion that he's not an elite pocket passer. How many times yesterday, and frankly, how many times this season, last season, excuse me, last season, the season before that, have we seen him make tough, high, you know, low percentage throws? Not no low percentage throw, but low percentage, uh, you know, Completion completion percentage targets, uh, you know, where it's tight, tight man-to-man coverage or having to fit fit the window in a zone, and we've seen Lamar make those throws standing in the pocket. We know what he can do outside the pocket. We know what he can do with his legs. Lamar's top five guy. I mean, I, I, again, to me, the three best in this order, Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence. I think Lawrence is special. We, we can have that discussion uh, another day. I'd take Lamar over Dak, and I love Dak Prescott. Dak can't do what Lamar can do in terms of his legs. He can't. And for the record, Dak, while he's had bad receiving cores, I mean, bad receiving cores, never as bad as what Lamar had up until this year. Lamar, I mean, Lamar had one of the five or six worst skill position groups, I think, in football the last few years, and he somehow managed to get to the playoffs year after year after year. Dak, we've never seen him deal with that. Hurts. Love hurts. He's not the passer Lamar is, and he's not as great an athlete as Jalen is. Not the athlete Lamar is. Like I, th- I think, I think right now you got to slate in Lamar as like that fourth guy. Like the only guys I would definitively take above him, I, I take Mahomes over everybody, obviously. Burrow, because we've seen Burrow with some terrible offensive lines get to the darn Super Bowl. And Trevor, Lewis, that's it. That's where the list ends. He's a special player, man. He really is. I love watching Lamar Jackson. Uh, John Rivera's in the comments. He says, Lamar will always get judged until he wins the Super Bowl. That's fair enough, but I guess my my retort to that would be, you know, only one team can win the Super Bowl every year, and so if we're going to judge, I mean, Dan Marino never won any Super Bowls. He was He's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. You know, like it's, I think Drew Brees is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. He's got one Super Bowl. I don't think it's a, a knock on a guy. The, the problem is Tom Brady set such an impossible standard one that, I mean, we talk about as amazing as Mahomes is. He could get to seven rings. It's within the realm of possibility because how great he is and how great Andy Reid is and how well run the Chiefs are. But are we expecting it? Eight, seven rings is nuts. And by the way, he had to go to another organization to get that seventh because the Patriots were, we see now today, you know, kind of in a, in a nosedive. Like, you know, guys winning. Oh, oh, but John Rivera says Lamar's not top five. All right, well, I'm going to put you on the spot, John. John, you're my guy, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Nate, I, yeah, I, I got to hear the five that have been Lamar Jackson uh, because, again, once you get past a few names, now you start having serious conversations. And I said Lamar was six coming into the season. What was my list? I think I had, I had Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Allen, Hurts. Allen's at, yeah, Lamar's better than Allen. Come on, like, what are we doing? I'm about to get into Josh Allen, the Bills, in literally the next segment. Uh, and then Hurts, I I honestly get why people would put Hurts above Lamar because, look, he has been to a Super Bowl. He's played great in that Super Bowl, went toe-to-toe with Mahomes. I understand that, but, man, what this guy can do it, it, with throws in the pocket, he's better than Jalen in that regard. He plays more mistake-free football than Jalen. I think he's, frankly, got a better arm than Jalen. Mobility, you can call it a wash, but I'd still take Lamar in that regard. He's the, he's the best mobile quarterback since Michael Vick. I mean, they get the guy, you know, I'm not a big believer in the whole quarterback win stat. I mean, J- Jimmy Garoppolo is like top 10 all time in win percentage. 
Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo's not a top 10 quarterback now in the NFL, certainly all time. So sometimes that stat can be a bit misleading. I mean, J Jimmy Garoppolo's better record than the, than, uh, the Justin Herbert. You take a Jimmy over Herbert, no, nobody on earth is doing that. And if you get the, the Raiders a chance to swap quarterbacks, they do it without blinking. By the way, I apologize to those out there for, I don't know why. I, we need to check. I got to check my Wi-Fi, folks. For some reason, the Wi-Fi has just been going in and out. Uh, so I apologize if the, I'm, I'm looking, I've got like a, like a monitor over here almost uh, basically looking at. Uh, I don't know. It look, looks a little, little spotty, so I apologize. Okay, here's John's list. John, John, top five quarterbacks league. He says, Joe, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, Lawrence. I, I can't put Allen above him. I can't, and, and I hurt, I've loved Herbert. I've loved Herbert since college. Uh, win a playoff game, is that too much to ask? Now, in Herbert's defense, he said horrendous coaching. Horrendous coaching. So give him a, a little bit of a pass there. Al, I can't put Allen above him. What does, aside from having a big, cool arm, what does he do better than, than Lamar Jackson? What does he do better? He's more mistake-prone. He's less accurate. He's not as good of a thrower from the pocket. By the way, you know, Josh Allen's had Stephon Diggs. Lamar Jackson, again, up until this year, literally never had a number one receiver. And for those out there saying, hey, what about Hollywood Brown? Come on. What's Hollywood Brown done since, since Lamar Jackson left him? Uh, okay, we got some breaking news. Well, before we, before we get to the breaking news, John Rivera says, I'll take Lamar over Hurts, so I'm with you. Okay, yeah, that, that's the thing. I get why people would take Hurts, I really do, uh, but given recent performance and given overall body of work, I would take Lamar. Uh, but we do have some breaking news. This just came in a, a few minutes ago. Who was the first to report it? It was Woj. Woj, and of course, Shams came right after him. It tends to go in that order one way or the other. NBA season starts tomorrow. More on that later in terms of what we're going to do on the show. Uh, according to Woj, uh, Bucks superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo has agreed to a three-year, $186 million contract extension. So this goes to what I've been saying. Remember Giannis this offseason was sort of flirting with the idea that, hey, if the Bucks aren't keen or the Bucks aren't all in on competing for titles, then that's when I'm going to leave. But he was, he, he was sending a message. And he did a similar thing in 2020 when he did not sign that extension right off the bat in 2020, if you remember, coming off back-to-back -back MVPs. Because he's like, hey, look, if the Bucs are going to put a better team around me, I'm out of here. What did they do? They went and got Drew Holiday, and the Bucs won the championship. So obviously, well, and now, first run exit, Giannis is like, guys, I'm the best player you've had since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Oscar Robertson, but more so Kareem. And I, 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 I need some. Chris Middleton can't be my two. Drew Holiday, love him. Probably can be a two on a championship team, and we've, we've seen kind of do it, but it was more Middleton than anything. I need an upgrade. They got Damian Lillard, and Giannis signs the extension. So there you go. So Giannis, Giannis got his way. And, and listen, I, I know people get on NBA players. Oh, my God, they just get whatever they want. Giannis is one of those guys who's, who's, who's worthy of that power. He is. Well, the, From 1971 to with the time Giannis got there, what were the Bucks? They got to see him Eastern Conference Finals. They, they were never... Overwhelmingly, they were never a serious title threat, Eastern Conference threat. So yeah, you cater to Giannis, you cater to Steph, you cater to LeBron, you cater to Jokic. No question. G yeah, John Rivera, good point. He says good, good for him. Only three years too, which lines up Damian Lillard. Great point. Yeah, because Dame's got three years left on his deal. So that's that's perfect. I didn't even think about that, John. John, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, but obviously, obviously you. 
Again, I just mentioned blank check quarterbacks. Giannis is a blank check NBA player. You give him whatever he wants, okay? You, if you want to give him ownership in the franchise, you do that too, okay? He's, 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 he's that type of player. And for the record, it's, it's not like, it isn't like Wisconsin sports is exactly thriving right now. We saw what Jordan Love, he stunk up the joint again yesterday. The Brewers are, to use a Gen Z term, mid. You know, they're, they're just kind of, yeah, the Brewers are good. They'll win the NL Central every year, but they're, we don't really take a lot of big swings. Milwaukee, that's, that's, that's like the last line of defense to a certain extent of us just turning off the television or whatever we're watching. If a, if a Milwaukee sports game, I mean, the Wisconsin Badgers are, like kind of like the Milwaukee Brewers, kind of mid, you know. So good for the box, good for Giannis, and this works for everybody. This works for everybody, like you mentioned, John. John. All right, let's transition again. Wi-Fi spotty. I apologize. We're trying to get that corrected. AFC East matchup. I was pretty confident in. I really was. I was thinking, okay. This, I was not going to consider this one for my if I were a betting man segment. I really wasn't. Uh, but before I get into that, John has a question, one word question. He says Clay, referring to Clay Thompson, of course. Yes, so I did see, I did want to, to bring this up, so I'm glad you did, John. John, uh, Clay Thompson, the report came in from Shams earlier today that him and the Warriors, Clay and the Warriors, are pretty far away in a contract extension. Clay, of course, has only one year left in his deal. He's slated to be a free agent in the summer of 2024. I don't know. Listen, we can only speculate. I don't know what the price is that Golden State's laying out. I don't know what Clay wants. My guess is he's like, guys, I've literally been the second or third most important member to this dynasty won 24 uh, or I'm sorry, won four championships. Like, could you, could you give me something? You know, could you, could you at least reward me the issue? And again, this is pure speculation. I have no sources in golden state telling me anything, but we know when you sign a contract, it's not what have you done for me? It's what are you going to do for me? And the fact of the matter is clay Thompson, what is he? 33, 34, two major injuries, two major lower body injuries. Was good, actually led the league in, in three pointers last year. So going to the playoffs, like okay, Clay's this is the best Clay's been since the first injury, and he wasn't that good in the playoffs. He was he had a terrible series against the Lakers, and I, I even and this hurt my soul to do, but I even suggested from time to time, do you move Clay Thompson for for another impact player? I still don't think that's totally off the table this offseason. Maybe a sign and trade. Uh, now Clay. He did his – Clay always does these Instagram lives on his boat, say, you know, sailing across the bay, Captain Clay. Captain spelled with a K, obviously, Captain Clay. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to have the best – this year 13 is going to be the best year of my career. Listen, I hope so. I, I hope that is. And uh, But I get why Golden State's not doing it. Steph is Steph. He, again, talking about blank check guys, Steph's a blank check guy. Okay, you give him whatever he wants. Draymond, they had – I said all last year, I said if they do not bring Draymond Green back – my Warriors are not championship contenders. It's that simple. They We are not contenders without Draymond Green. Brought him back on a team-friendly deal as well as a Draymond-friendly deal. And so that's great. Draymond's unfortunately not going to play opening night tomorrow with an ankle injury, but he'll be back sooner rather than later. But you have Kevon Looney in his prime. Andrew Wiggins in his prime. Gary Payton in his prime. Uh, Chris Paul not still in his prime, but obviously I think at some point or another he's probably going to be moved to the bench and be your sixth man. Chris Paul's still very much an impact player uh, in this league. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody on the on the come up as well. Play had a great preseason, by the way. I think Kaminga's. Watch out, watch out for Jonathan Kaminga, y'all. I'm just telling you right now. But Clay's sort of that guy where he's sort of in decline, and I hate saying that, but I get why the Warriors are doing it. I really do. 
And I, I understand what they're saying. Okay, we got to see. We we got to see it. Put it all together. Not just the regular season, because frankly, Warriors don't care about the regular season. They don't. I don't think the Lakers care that much about the regular season. Heat don't care about, that much about the regular season. It's all about April, May, and June. It, it is. And if Clay doesn't show up, then my guess is he probably doesn't come back, which sucks. It's hard to imagine Steph and Clay playing without each other, but that may be what happens. John 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 says twenty five to thirty million over four years. That's what I pay him. That's that seems fair to me. Yeah, because he's still he's still a twenty point per game guy. He's still he's listen. Clay's gonna be able to shoot the basketball when he's sixty years old. I mean that that that's something like you got it or you don't. He, he he's gonna be do that be able to do that for a long time. Certainly that'll keep him in the NBA as long as he wants the ability to shoot the basketball at an extremely high level. As I mentioned, he did lead the league in three pointers last year, and we know I, I think he's the second or third greatest shooter to ever play the game. As I always say about Clay, he holds every three point record that Steph Curry doesn't. So yeah, he's still listen. He's still very much a key contributor to Golden State. But can they upgrade in that regard? Maybe not necessarily at the two guard position, uh, but in terms of maybe adding a starter. I, I'm not saying Clay is going to get moved in February because I don't believe that at all. But you know, is that I don't know. It's 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 weird. Uh, Patrick Brown, what's up, Patrick? Writes a new writer, by the way, for the Grid Network website. He's done put, done some good pieces. He says Broncos country. You got to ride yesterday. Enjoy. Yeah, Patrick usually says Broncos country. Let's cry, but you got to ride yesterday. Why? Because you were playing Jordan Love. I'll talk about that a little a little later on the show. Here's how I really want to get into those. The Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. A uh, game that I did not expect to be close, but uh, by about a few minutes in, you're like, okay, Buffalo's probably in some trouble. Patriots ended up winning 29-25. Before I get into Buffalo, I know what the elephant in the room is. Okay, I know, I, I get it. Oh, Bryson, you got to apologize to Mac Jones. Oh, Mac Jones balled out yesterday. By the way, Mac Jones, 25 at 32 touchdown passes. Okay, at a QBR 78, pass rating 126. Mac Jones was great. He he was excellent yesterday. I have nothing for this game. I got nothing bad to say about Mac Jones. Nothing. But even backups have good games. I mean, what what, what can I say? Even backups have good games every once in a while. Uh, because that's what Mac Jones is. I'm not going to let one good game be the because that's what a backup is. A backup is capable one out of, out of every five games of lighting it up. A good backup, at least. And I think Mac is capable of being that. Uh. But I'm not going to let one game blind me from what I've seen through the first six games up to this point of the season, through all of last season, through the last month of Mac Jones's rookie year. So I have like, what I have like darn near 30 games of evidence to say he's a backup quarterback. I'm not going to let just one great game uh, in his first good game at all since Thanksgiving of last year against a terrible Vikings defense. I'm not going to let that shade my 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 view of Mac. Played well. Props to him. Led a game when he drive, by the way, at the end. Got to give props to him. He, he played well yesterday. Uh, but that's not the norm. Okay, he's, he's still still a backup. As for Buffalo, to me, the far bigger story in this game. So, said before the year, I didn't have them making the playoffs. And I was starting to slowly shift, do a little, little Cupid shuffle to the, to the left. To the left, to the left. I was starting to. I really was uh, after they got off. What were they at? Three and one, four and one. They're three and one. That's right. But I said on this show, you can go back and check when they dominated the Miami Dolphins at home, beat them by four touchdowns. 48 20 was the final score in that contest. I said, if you buy the Buffalo Bills, that's fine. But I've seen them do this before. They got off to a four and one start in 2021. Got up to a 6-1 and one start in 2022. Seen them do this before, and then come cratering down in the playoffs. 
I've seen, I've seen him do it. I've seen Josh Allen do it. See this Bills coaching staff do it. See this defense do it. See the offensive line do it. So I didn't think it was unfair. I said, I don't think it's unfair of me to say I'm at the point where I'm like, I, I will not believe it until I see it. Frankly, I didn't love the roster coming in this year. I definitely don't love it now that two of their best defensive players, probably their two best defensive players, if we're being honest, Matt Milano and Tredavious White are gone for the season. Von Miller's not the same player he was, certainly coming off an injury. He's, he's just not the same impact player he was uh, even coming into last season. But I said last week in Disney World on Monday that when they beat the Giants 14 to 9, I said, I mean, this is the this is pretty this is quite obvious, of course, that if not for an awful clock mismanagement error uh, on the part of the Giants offense at the end of the first half, and if not for probably a missed pass interference call at the end of that game, Giants win. In Buffalo, with the Bills scoring 14 points. They lose to Mac Jones yesterday. And why did they lose to Mac Jones? Well, of course, the defense collapsed in the final drive. But to me, the tone for this game was set. And guys, I really like Josh Allen as a guy. And I think he's a special quarterback. I think he's a special talent. As you mentioned, let me, let me put the list again. I think Josh Allen, you see him there in the bottom right corner. There's Josh Allen's smiling face. I think he's absolutely one of the eight quarterbacks. And I'm like, I've seen you be great when things aren't great around you. I've seen him do it time and time again. Uh, you name your price, I'll pay you what you want, buddy. In that same breath, he, the poor and I love Josh Allen. That guy, I, ugh, I love him. I want and I want to to buy all the way into the hype so bad. He can't help himself. Sometimes, folks, just certain things are in our DNAs. Some 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 things we just can't. Or I shouldn't say DNAs, it's plural. In our DNA, in general. He can't help the turnover bug. It's it, it's in him. It is ingra- it is ingrained in in his in his in his psyche in how he plays the quarterback position. It's just reckless. What I keep saying, the word I keep using, reckless plays, not just turnovers. That's not the issue. It's it's also the the fact that you know I've seen him hurdle guys on four, on third down and a mile when he's five yards short of the first down, trying to hurdle guys. Like dude, keep your body healthy. Okay. The, the the worst case scenario for the Bills is if he go down and then the Buffalo season's definitely over given their bad offensive line, awful running game, and beat-up defense. But again, and I mentioned this in the in the preamble for Carving Up Live today. I said, okay, look, what we do on this show, what I do on this show, we can complain about problems. We can do this in any realm, politics, whatever. Complain about problems. It means nothing if we're not coming up with solutions. So I got a solution for the Buffalo Bills, okay? I got a solution. Because this team said last week after the Giants win, uh, and I quote, and I certainly repeat it today after they lost on Matt Jones. This team, it is impossible. I want to emphasize that. Impossible for them to win a Super Bowl this season. It it can't happen. It is not. They have a 0% chance, 0% chance of winning the Super Bowl in the 2023 NFL season. It's not going to happen. But how 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 can they contend in 2024 and beyond? And this may be a controversial view in Buffalo, but I love Bills fans. I think Bills Mafia is the best fan base in all of sports. I truly believe that. I love those people. So I'm trying to help you here. You fire Sean McDermott, and you hire Ben Johnson. You know, Ben Johnson isn't necessarily the most popular human being today after the Lions scored a grand total of six points against Baltimore yesterday. But he's still a darn good offensive coordinator. The creativity, I, keep, I said this a couple weeks ago, the creativity on these play designs, the using motion. It, it's When you watch Buffalo's offense every week, 
What about it says to you, that was clever. That was creative. That caught the defense guessing. Or you had the defense guessing. That caught the defense off guard. No, it's usually just, holy cow, what a throw by Josh Allen. Oh my goodness, you see Stephon Diggs make that play? Oh, Josh Allen just hurtled a guy. Oh, Josh Allen just threw a really ugly interception. Oh, they can't protect him to save his to save their lives. I think Sean McDermott's a good coach. I think he's proven that. We've we've seen Sean McDermott get to the playoffs without Josh Allen. His first year in Buffalo, he did that. But there needs to be, we talk about identities and what, you know, for, for Philadelphia, they know who they are. I don't think Buffalo really knows who they are right now. I think if you shift to an offensive mind, by the way, when did Josh Allen's best years come? With Brian Dable. By the way, look what Brian Dable's doing with Tyrod Taylor. I know the Giants are putting up gaudy offensive numbers. Tyrod Taylor's pretty, playing pretty solid football right now. He's a good backup. He's playing pretty solid football. Now that you got Ken Dorsey, and this isn't a shot at Ken Dorsey necessarily. I don't think he's incompetent. Uh, but there's there's some limitations there. Buffalo's just simply not a creative offense. They don't keep defenses guessing. They rely solely on the pure God-given talent that Josh Allen has. But the downside of that is that not that, not that Josh Allen isn't capable of carrying Buffalo because he is. We've seen him do it before. It's the again I keep using this word this reckless behavior these reckless plays. I mean that interception first play of the game. It's like okay here he goes again, and then he'll have fourth quarters yet like yesterday. We're like oh my god that's the third best quarterback in the league. That's the second best quarterback in the league to Mahomes. Up and down, up and down. You cannot trust this quarterback. You cannot trust this team. They're four and three. By the way, their road doesn't exactly get easier. Tampa Bay on Thursday, they should win that game. It's at home in Orchard Park, but you never know with this team. Then they got at Cincinnati. Ugh. A couple weeks after that, they got the Jets defense. Saw what the Jets did, uh, did to Josh Allen in week one. Forced four turnovers. They got at Philly. Ugh. At Kansas City. Ugh. Home, but against Dallas. Ugh. Chargers are still talented. Ugh. Then they got at Miami at the end of the season. And this team is not a contender. Set it before the year. It is impossible for the Bills to win a Super Bowl in 2023. It's not going to happen. You can, Bills Mafia, you can, you can get mad at me now, and I understand if you do, but this team, this coaching staff, it's not equipped in the modern NFL to compete. To compete for a championship, at least, and that's obviously the goal when you have a quarterback at the level that Josh Allen is. You need an offensive mind to rein Josh Allen in. To say, okay, what's his strengths? Okay, he's got a monster arm. He's accurate enough. He's mobile, big, strong, great leader. Everybody in the locker room loves Josh Allen. That's I've never attacked Josh Allen's leadership. Have a guy to kind of rein him in a little bit. I think Ben Johnson is somebody who's capable of doing that. Look what he's done with Jared Goff. And Jared Goff is a is a very good starting quarterback. As a matter of fact, it goes so far as to say he's a franchise quarterback. He did, after all, go to a Super Bowl. It was a it was a huge reason in the Rams doing that in 2018. He's a big reason that the Lions have been as successful as they've been this year. Last night was standing, of course. But he's not, talent-wise, he's not even Josh Allen's league. He's not even close. So... You know, I, I think I think there needs to be some real systematic changes here in Buffalo pretty soon. All right, to the comments. Uh, Patrick says, Patrick Brown says, Buffalo needs to come to Jesus moment very soon. Uh, they can't, wow. Oh, I, I don't know if I agree with that. He says they can't win a Super Bowl with Josh Allen. I don't I don't agree with that. Um, Yeah, that that's not, yeah. I, I, I think if he gets the right coach, you can. 
uh, because we've seen again, we've seen Mahomes. I'm sorry, we've seen uh, Allen go toe to toe with Mahomes in the playoffs. I, I don't. To me, can't win a Super Bowl with like that. That that to me involves Russell Wilson, which Russell played okay yesterday. But at this stage, you can't win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. You, you can't. Uh, you can't win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. Um, who else? I'm not so sure coming off an Achilles. I'm not quite sure. I'm not all the way in on this yet, but I'm not sure if he can win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers at this stage of his career. Obviously, in past years, of course you could. Uh, yeah, that, I, I definitely not, would not put Josh on. I don't think Josh is as as good as people think, but I still think he's a special talent. Uh, I've seen him get to an AFC title game, but again, the, the coaching needs to be needs to be changes. Let's see. Patrick, to hear our grid teammates, Barry Grant Jr., a.k.a. The Wrench, don't encourage him, Patrick, fell back in love with Mac Jones. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, I, I'm going to have to call Barry out here publicly, okay? And I love Barry, but we got to hold it, got to hold each other accountable. Uh, Barry was tweeting and putting all this out there like, you know what? I, I can see it on Mac Jones. He's just not the guy for New England. And then let me tell you, so like I said, we got a grid group chat. Oh, he was hitting it up. Oh, he was going on and on about Mac Jones. Oh, man, he was. Oh, he's back. No, he just had a good game. It happened. You know what happens? Okay. Bad clock's right twice a day. It, it happens. Mac, Mac Jones isn't talentless. Okay. Does he do anything great? Nope. But he played well yesterday. Yeah, Patrick says after conceding last week, he's back in the Mac truck. Yeah, that's flip-flop, flip That's what you get from me. Yeah, that's what's that's for me and Barry different. I'm consistent. Okay. You you know what you're you know what you're gonna get with me. Uh Patrick says Eric Bienemy could be the next head coach. He needs to get out of Washington after the season. Uh he may be Washington's head coach. I mean, I I I think Rivera's gone after this year. Washington, you just watch the commanders. They're not a well-coached team. I mean, Rivera's a def- defensive coach, and what you want out of your, your head coaches is whatever side of the ball they specialize in, you need that unit to be good. That's why Brandon Staley's awful in, in, with the Chargers. He's a defensive coach. They have Khalil Mack, and they have Joey Bosa, and they're terrible on defense. And that's that's a coaching problem. Uh, the same can be said about Ron Rivera in Washington. You can't, I mean, you heard what jo- uh, Jonathan Allen said yesterday. He's frustrated. I mean, he's, he had like, I think it was 17 expletives <laughs> that he said in that one soundbite. Uh, and I understand it. You know, listen, he's been playing Washington for a lot while, playing a lot of losing football, despite how good he is individually. Uh, that commander's defense is not devoid of talent, but Rivera week in, week out makes it appear so. So Bienemy Patrick might be Washington's head coach. Uh, now, if you had to give me a choice between Bienemy and Johnson, I probably, and I love Bienemy, and I, I hope and pray he gets a head coaching job uh, this year because uh, I think he's been deserving of one for a while. Uh, I'd still go with Ben Johnson. Uh, I think if you pair Ben with 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 Josh Allen, you could have you could have something really special in your hands. Really special. But the time being, it's Ken Dorsey, it's Sean McDermott. So it's it's not gonna be working this year. But I said for a while Buffalo isn't a contender. And I think the last two weeks have shown exactly why. By the way, by the way, can I say this? Uh for those out there on because I I heard the I heard the listen, I, I check comments, okay? I, I want to interact with the audience. That's part of the fun of doing of doing a podcast is, is interacting with people who are watching and listening. It's it's the best part of this, in my opinion. But a lot of people are getting on me about, oh, Trevor Lawrence isn't better than Josh Allen, despite that their numbers are literally identical since midway point of last year. And Allen has, I'm sorry, Herbert, I'm uh, sorry, Lawrence has beaten Allen head to head and outplayed him. But, you know, call me nuts for saying Lawrence is, is better than, than Josh Allen. 
Trevor Lawrence ain't losing to Mac Jones, but he did lose to Mac Jones in 2021, but that was when he had nothing around him. And I do mean nothing. Check that Jags roster. The reason they reason they picked first overall. Uh, Patrick, Riverboat Ron sucked the commanders against the Giants. Indeed he did. It was not a good performance yesterday. Uh, before I get into the rest of the NFL, let's get into Kansas City. So they, they took care of business against the Los Angeles Chargers. That was actually my, if I were a Batman game, I said take the Chargers and the points. Take Kansas City to win, but every single time Mahomes and Herbert face off, it's always a shootout. It's always down to the wire. It's always which quarterback has the ball in his hands last. We've seen Herbert beat Mahomes. We've seen Mahomes beat Herbert on a number of times, obviously yesterday included. Uh, what I should have factored into the, in, which by the way, in the first half, it was a shootout. Uh, Mahomes actually threw a, a pretty rough interception in that first half. However, I forgot to mention again. I this is this is an error on my part. I apologize out there, but uh, I totally forgot that Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. And what I loved, then I'll get to Kansas City because that's to me the much bigger story. Uh, we know Brandon Staley is a bad coach. I don't need to elaborate on that. He's, he's I think his track record is pretty self-explanatory. But uh, can we kind of have a Patrick said a come to Jesus moment? Can we have a, a come to Jesus moment on Kellen Moore? I told y'all Chargers fans, y'all thirteen Chargers fans out there. Uh, the organization had to put AI fans in the stadium back in week one to try and get some get some Chargers fans out there. But uh, to the Chargers fans out there is Kellen ain't the guy. Kellen wasn't the guy with Dak, and Kellen isn't the guy with Herbert. Did I? There was a play in the second half. I think it was late third quarter, early fourth quarter. I was watching all the four games, including my Steelers against the Rams. But do you see that third down and long? <laughs> it's like I had PTSD watching this. The third down and long, and what did Kellamore call? Curl routes. My man, listen, if there's one thing I'll give Kellamore, I'll, I'll give him this. The dude's consistent on his play calling. Uh, he, the man loves him some curl routes. It's it's unbelievable. It's You can see it coming from a mile away. Dak had to deal with this nonsense. That isn't like McCarthy's much better. Problem is, as I said last week, McCarthy's too conservative. Kellum was too cute. Can we find a healthy medium? Doesn't look like that's the case for time being in Dallas, but this isn't about Dallas, it's about the Chargers. And really, in the long run, it's actually about the Kansas City Chiefs, who had their best performance of the season offensively yesterday. Patrick Mahomes is absolutely spectacular. Threw for over 300 yards in the first half alone. Finished with 424 on 32 of 42 uh, completions. Uh, four touchdowns, like the aforementioned interception, but at a QBR of basically, if you round up, 92 and a pass rating of 129. This, by the way, without much of a running game yesterday, although they did throw the ball 42 times, so, of course, you're going to want the ball in Mahomes' hands as much as possible. Uh, by the way, that uh that Kelsey guy, he he's he's pretty good, right? 12 catches for a buck 79 and a acrobatic touchdown going you know backwards, having the offensive line push him in the end zone. Uh he again he had 12 catches. He made he made one catch. Uh Travis made one catch near the sidelines in that game. I forget when it was, and uh made made the catch. I think it was near the cheerleaders. And uh and they were wearing short skirts, and there was a Kansas City in the fan in the stands who was wearing a, a t-shirt. Yeah, that didn't land as well as I thought it would. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hide. I, I, that was bad. That was really bad. I'm trying. I, I, Swifties, I'm trying. Okay. There's a lot. I know there's a lot of material to work with. I, I, I myself may not be a Swifty. I'm trying to include y'all. Okay. That's my best effort. I'll, I'll, I'll be better next week. I promise. Who, who the Chiefs play? Who the Chiefs play next week? Play the Broncos. Okay, Kelsey's gonna score a touchdown against the Broncos. Okay. I, I, I'll be better. But sort of piggybacking off of the. In all seriousness, though, for Kansas City, 
Um, why do I think they had their best performance of the year? Uh, offensively, at least yesterday against, we get it, it's a bad Chargers defense. That goes without saying. Uh, that certainly factored. I said it last week when they play the Broncos. I think Kansas City's bored. I think Kansas City's dealing with a little bit of a are we there yet syndrome, which, you know, they're doing it pretty well because they're six and one. Where it's, again, the first part of Kansas City's schedule outside that opening game against Detroit, and then they had at Jacksonville next week where they weren't that good offensively. After that, Bears and the Jets and the Vikings and the Broncos and Chargers, though. Chargers have beaten them in the four, in the past four. Uh, Herbert has played well against that Kansas City defense before, against that same Kansas City defensive coordinator. Like that's that's a game you wake up for. That is a that the, Herbert's one of the few guys in the league that can go toe to toe with Mahomes, and we saw him do it the first half yesterday. Not so much in the second half. Again, I think play calling is a is a big reason for that. But we've seen them do this, and so what I think is going to happen next week? They play the Broncos in Denver. They're eight point favorites. I'm all listen. Depends on what happens. I'm already almost leaning Broncos in the points. Kansas City to win, of course. They're not losing to Denver. They haven't lost to Denver since Obama was president. However. I'm thinking about taking the Broncos the points simply because that's another. <sighs> yeah, it's Denver. I mean, again, we haven't lost to Denver in eight years. Uh, we'll, we'll beat the Broncos. We'll, we'll sleepwalk our way to the to a win against the Broncos just like we did 10 days ago, 11 days ago. But then, then you got to buy. I'm sorry, you don't have to buy. I apologize. Misspoke there. Uh, then they go to, uh, to Germany. Take on the Dolphins. Tyreek Hill, former chief. Oh, you're waking up for that game. The country's waking up for that game because it's going to be in the morning. Then he got the Super Bowl rematch against Philadelphia, and they were talking some mad smack after that game. All oh, the refs gave the game to the Chiefs and all that. They're going to be waiting for, for Philadelphia. Then they got the Raiders, and eh, Packers, and eh. Then they got the Bills. Oh, listen, the Bills, they beat them, beat them last year. The uh, Bills have been going after the Chiefs for a while. And they got Cincinnati later in the season. Those going to be the games where Kansas City is like, okay, we got to wake up. We got to play our A game to win. Chargers, given the talent there, Given how Justin Herbert's played against the Chiefs in the past, you did have to bring your A game. And Kansas City did, uh, certainly from an offensive perspective. Yes, does the Chargers' defensive woes contribute to that? Of course they do. I think they're the 31st-ranked pass defense in football, something crazy, and they're, which is mind-blowing given the talent they have there. Again, it points back to coaching, of course. It's Brandon Staley, but at the same time, we've seen Kansas City against some poor defenses have some poor performances. I think they're bored. When Mahomes just just forget how to play football? Did Andy Reid forget how to coach? Travis Kelsey forget how to get open? No, I think it's it's an are we there yet syndrome. It's we're 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 waiting for the games against Josh Allen, the Bills, and Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and again Justin they do play Justin Herbert later in the season again in L.A. Justin Herbert and the Chargers and Philadelphia like those are big games for Kansas City, uh, Miami in Germany. It's a big game for the Chiefs. So. I think it's a little bit of that. I, I, I still I still think this is the best team uh, in the AFC with respect to the Baltimore Ravens. I still think this is the, excuse me, the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I'm predicting them to go back-to-back before the year started. I Kansas City being Dallas in the Super Bowl. I'm still going to ride with that pick. And I certainly feel great about the Kansas City aspect. And as for Dallas, you know, it's going to come down whether or not Dak can carry them because the play calling sure isn't going to do that. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. But Kansas City's in a good spot. Kansas City's going to be fine. Uh that offense is really humming. By the way, this just came in, though, in regards to, to Kansas City. If we could pull this up. Uh, Chiefs, speaking of the Chiefs, this is exactly great news, that uh, Chiefs wide receiver Justin Ross is reportedly was reportedly arrested for criminal property damage in excess of 25 k 
According to the Johnson County Sheriff Department records, Ross was arrested on Monday. So he's arrested day after the game. Uh, says he's played all seven games this year, catching three passes. So he's obviously not an integral part of that Chiefs offense, but uh, not necessarily the news you want to wake up to if you're a Kansas City Chief fan. That's not great. By the way, I'll predict Astros Rangers game seven about an hour from now. Uh, how's game six of the NLCS going? What, what, what do we got here? Arizona, Philly? Oh, oh boy. Well, listen, we may be trending for another game seven tomorrow. Diamondbacks are leading the Phillies four to one, bottom of the sixth. I I had Philadelphia in a gentleman's sweep. I went so far as after game two when Philly mopped him. I think it was like 10 to two is the final score. I said uh, Philadelphia has a 100% chance to win the World Series. Uh, just given what I'd seen for their pitching, their offense was absolutely on fire. I'm like, this is the hottest team in baseball. They're playing better than anybody. They just beat Atlanta, got to the World Series last year. They're pissed off coming off that loss. Uh, but we may be having a game seven tomorrow. We do have a game seven tonight, which I'll predict after I recap other NFL games. But uh, whew, Rangers, Astros. By the way, it looks like right now, again, I'm not saying I'm necessarily picking the Rangers, but right now we're literally getting a repeat of the 2019 World Series. If the Rangers win, it will be a complete uh, repeat of what happened in, in 2019 when the Astros lost to the Nationals in the World Series, where the road team won every single game. Texas took the first two in Houston. Houston took the next three, including a crazy game five in Texas. Rangers won last night. And, uh, hey, this has been a heck. This, this series right here deserved to go to game seven. It, it was, I picked Houston in six uh, before the series started. This one deserved to go to game seven. It really did. So, uh, good, good for baseball fans. Good for Fox, who's doing the game. Good for TBS if Diamondbacks Phillies end up in a game seven tomorrow uh, in the city of brotherly love. That will. Two game sevens in the LCS. I mean, Rob Manfred, baseball front offices, can't ask for much better than that. Only thing can top it is if we get a game seven of the World Series. All right, let's look at the rest of the NFL. So, to me, one of the surprising games of the day was the Browns and the Colts. So, uh, Cleveland, first of all, I didn't know Keith Cleveland was capable of scoring 39 points, but I guess when you have a, a, a running game like they do uh, with Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, you, you're capable of doing that. But Deshaun Watson goes down early, threw a bad interception early. Uh, P.J. Walker comes in. He also threw another interception, but was fine. Again, played about how you want a backup to to play, mostly leaning on the running game. But the fact that this uh, the only quarterback who had torched this Browns defense all season long was Lamar Jackson, which you're like, well, yeah, Lamar, Lamar's amazing. He's finally got great weapons, as I brought up earlier on the show. It's Lamar Jackson. We're not surprised by it. Gardner Minshew. How about this? Three touchdown passes, QBR of 80. I'm, so, I'm sorry, two touchdown passes, QBR of 80, and a pass rating 119, but went up and down the field in this Browns defense. Now, Miles Garrett was Miles Garrett. He was spectacular. He actually blocked the kick at one point in the game. He was he was fantastic. Uh, but Cleveland getting the walk, uh, the game-winning touchdown uh, very late in the fourth quarter within the final seconds uh, to win the game on fourth down and goal of all plays to get the W. I, listen, I picked Cleveland, so I was, you know, for my pick, I was happy. Uh, for my Steelers, I wasn't thrilled, but the good news is we have the same record, 4-2, and two, and we have the tiebreaker as we sit here today because we beat them back in Week 2 on Monday Night Football. But, Browns beat the Colts in a dandy of a game. Man, that was interesting. I already brought up Bills, Patriots. So, uh, and I, I touched on this game earlier. Um, Patrick sort of brought it up in the comments. Was uh, Giants over the Commanders 14-7. to I got to I gotta believe my man Parnell, host of the Commanders Demand podcast here on the grid. I can't imagine he's all he's all too thrilled. Uh, look, this Commanders O-line's terrible. By the way, Sam Howell in the Commanders O-line's defense. Uh, Sam Howell isn't exactly helping him on some of these plays. He's holding the ball way too long in the pocket. Uh, that's got to be something he's got to factor out of his game. But look, 
Tyrod Taylor, a couple touchdown passes. Uh, and what I love, too, about, about Tyrod and, and, and what I love about what Brian Dable's done the last two weeks, especially this week in the win, yes, the Giants only scored 14 points, but you got to realize that is still a terrible offensive line in New York. And also the fact that what I love what they did is they spread the ball around to the guys who are really good. Jalen Hyatt's one of the fastest players in all of football. Trust me, I know as a Vols fan. Okay, we obviously missed him on Saturday against Alabama. Given what he did to Alabama a year ago, scoring five touchdowns against them. But Jalen Hyatt is a great deep threat. Throwing the ball down the field. They did twice. Caught both. Get the ball to Darren Waller. Darren Waller uh, had seven catches for 98 yards of touchdown. Jalen Hyatt had only two catches, but for 75 yards of a two deep balls. Like, the Giants are not talentless offensively. They just have some serious limitations at quarterback. We've known that for some time with Daniel Jones. That's why I thought it was nutso to give him $40 million a year. Uh which they did back in March. Giants are not talentless on the offensive side of the ball. Now, they've got to, they've got to work on their O-line this offseason. Maybe even the Giants aren't going to be a playoff team this year, but maybe address the O-line to a certain degree. Maybe they go after somebody in a trade. Uh, do they feel more confident they can acquire somebody from somebody else? Uh, or do they feel like they can, they're better served just drafting a guy next year in the first round? I'm not sure. But by the way, the Giants defense has played pretty well the last couple of weeks. Uh, and as for the commanders, they're... You know, they're, they're three and four. It's kind of where we expected Washington to be at this point in the year. Uh, already talked about Lions, Ravens, uh, Raiders, Bears. So uh, how about this kid for, for Chicago? This is the reason I picked Vegas to win the game because this guy for Chicago, kid by the name of Tyson Badgett, making his first NFL start, uh, his last win. I want to to correct this, or correct this. I want to, to double-check this. Uh, Tyson Badgett, who started yesterday for the Chicago Bears in place of the injured uh, Justin Fields. Uh, Tyson's last win, uh, his, his last win uh, in an organized football game was, if we could pull this out, where where is it? Okay, Tyson Badgett, who started for the Bears yesterday, his last win in an organized football game was against the Colorado School of Mines. D2 player, D2 quarterback, played pretty well yesterday. Led the Bears to a 30-point scoring output. Now, I get Vegas is a terrible defense, but Kip played well. Kip, Kip played well. I got to give hats off to him. The, this guy starting is the reason I picked the Raiders, despite the fact they're dealing with injuries, particularly to Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'm like, you know what? Brian Hoyer, who, who you know we figured was probably going to start this game. I know he hasn't won since 2016. That's, that matters, obviously. But he's been around the block. He's a veteran quarterback. He'll find a way to get it done against a, a pretty, pretty sorry Bears defense. But it was Tyson Badger who exposed the, the Raiders defense. So good, good for that young man. Good, good for him. Uh, Patrick says, every time I hear the Eagles head coach talk, talking about Nick Sirianni, uh, I, I, want to, I want to give him a piece of my mind, acting like they won the Super Bowl. I, I used to have an issue with Sirianni last year, and I still, <laughs> I still think some of the stuff is a little extra. At least for a head coach, it's a little extra. Uh, but... Like when he again, when he made the point after the game, he said, "You know, uh, you know, if, if you know, you guys hate the brotherly shove because you can't stop it." I mean, there's some truth to that. I mean, it's it's probably the most. It's like the Kareem skyhook of the NFL. Like you, there's no defense for it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't love Nick Sirianni. Some stuff he does in silent, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not personally offended by it. Just me personally. As I mentioned earlier, though, good game by Tyson Badger. Uh, Falcons beat the Buccaneers 16-13 in, uh, in a game in which both quarterbacks did all they could to lose the game. 
for uh, for both their teams. Uh, uh, Desmond Ritter had a brutal uh, goal line fumble through the end zone that darn near cost Atlanta the game. Baker had a bad interception, uh, and in the end, it was Desmond Ritter leading a game-winning drive. By the way, another game-winning drive. I'm not a big Desmond Ritter guy, but led another game-winning drive uh, for Atlanta to, to win it. Uh, Young Hoku, one of the better kickers in the NFL, just doesn't get enough credit for it because, listen, the Falcons aren't in national television much. We don't talk about the Atlanta Falcons every day. They're not a national subject. So, but... You know, Atlanta, by the way, doing so without B. John Robinson, who was dealing with a very mysterious, uh, he only had one carry for three yards. It was, I think the NFL is investigating it, that uh, his his illness wasn't reported to the league. Again, he had one carry, and it was, that was it. That was it for his day. So, very weird situation regarding regarding uh, B. John, or regarding Atlanta in particular, because players going to play. If you give the players the opportunity to play, they're going to be out there, unless you're Deshaun Watson, of course, which I'm sure there's – I'm not a Deshaun guy, of course, but I, I do think there's a legitimate reason he's he's dealing with the shoulder injuries. But that 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 situation is also mysterious as well. Uh, Atlanta gets the W. Baker was – Baker really struggled. Uh, he's – you know, I, listen, Baker's been playing well this year. But there's still some serious limitations there in terms of size, immobility, and decision making still leaves leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Arizona Cardinals twenty to ten. Got that little backdoor cover. I got nervous there at the end. Uh, nice, good backdoor cover for the Seahawks. Uh, that that last kick there at the end. Uh, Geno Smith. Geno Smith played mostly well throughout the day, but threw a brutal interception in the red zone. Um, just made a bad read to the, to the left side of the field. Uh, but all in all, good game for Seattle. That defense is really, you know, kind of finding itself. By the way, held a good Bengals offense to 17 last week. Like that's this feels a little bit like some of those those older Pete Carroll teams in Seattle, where the quarterback is capable of making plays, which Geno is, kind of like Russell was at the beginning of his career. But you're not if you're in a situation where you have to rely on Geno to carry to win. Geno's a great story. Geno's turned his career around, but that's just not in his DNA. That's not who he is. That's not the type of player he is. Um but the running game was amazing for Seattle. I, I like I said, I mentioned that the Seattle's uh, run game was excellent, and Arizona was terrible. I said this is gonna be a Kenneth Walker game, 105 yards yards rushing. So he was great. Uh, listen, there's a little bit of divisional familiarity there. Arizona, Seattle, Arizona kept it close for a while. Uh, but my man Space Dobbs, listen, there's only so much my guy can do. Okay, well, what do you expect Josh Dobbs to do when he's got that surrounding? Okay, like I picked the Cardinals to win one game before the season, and. Uh, I'm not so sure they're going to get another one the the rest of the year. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with y'all. That one wing against Dallas is, is probably all they had in the tank. Uh, but okay, yeah, let's get to this one, by the way. Let's put the towel on. How about the Steelers? Oh, get, where's the towel? There we go. There we go. How about my Steelers yesterday? Showed a pulse offensively. I didn't think we could do it. I, I didn't think it was it was within the the the, the capacity of, of a Matt Canada coached offense to no, score 24. That's not going to blow your socks off. But to do what we did in the second half, I mean, my Steelers, three points at halftime, 91 yards of offense. It was looking like another typical, well, looks like the defense is going to have to to lead us to another win, kind of like that game against Cleveland and a game against Baltimore. Like, uh, defense got to, to to carry the offense again or to carry Matt Canada again. Huh? Listen, second half, how about this for the Steelers? Again, I didn't think this was this was possible for us to do. <laughs> we, we put together back-to-back fourth-quarter scoring drives. Get, by the way, the Rams defense don't have a bunch of scrubs on it. Rams defense is pretty good. Saw what they did in Seattle in week one. Saw what they did in Cincinnati. I mean, the Rams got a good defense. Kenny Pickett play. Listen, listen. Kenny Pickett has limitations. I, I get that. I've acknowledged that since he was drafted in 2022. I've always said that. There's some limitations there. Not a great arm. Accuracy leaves quite a bit to be desired. That can be corrected. He's only his second year. But I'm telling y'all, fourth quarter, Kenny. 
is a real thing. Fourth quarter Kenny Pickett is a very real thing in the National Football League. Uh, his stats aren't gaudy, you know, no touchdown passes, no interceptions, though. Uh, pass rating pretty good, 97. That's that's solid. Uh, but the running game for Pittsburgh was good. Came alive in the fourth quarter. Najee Harris and, and Jalen Warren. George Pickett's had a big day, 170 yards receiving on five catches. Uh, listen, I, I've been – I just said about the Giants that they're not talentless offensively. Say that in 25-fold on the Steelers. I, this is what's frustrated me so much about Canada is, listen, we may have questions about Kenny Pickett, but you've got Najee Harris, and you got Jalen Warren, and you've got George Pickens. You've got Deontay Johnson just come, came back from injury. How big was he yesterday? I mean, I had a, a taunting penalty that I thought was, I hate the taunting rule in the NFL, uh, but, you know, cost steals, the Steelers a little bit. Deontay Johnson made some big plays yesterday. This, there's some limitations in the offensive line, probably at quarterback, but there's some stuff to work with. This isn't the New England Patriots. This isn't the the Baltimore Ravens before OBJ and Zay Flowers got there. I mean, there's there's some key playmakers, there's some key pieces there in, in, in Pittsburgh that are capable of making plays. And he finally saw that. Matt Canada came to his senses and opened up the offense to a certain extent in terms of run to the outside a little bit. Not every running play... Uh, it seemed like Matt Canada couldn't get this through his head through the first five games. Not every running play has to be in the I formation up the gut. And he reverted that, reverted to that a little bit in the fourth quarter, got a little too conservative, although it did work out. Uh, Pittsburgh did get a bit of an officiating break, although it was debatable. I thought Kenny, there was another angle that showed he got the first down by literally that much, but it's debatable. I understand that if Rams fans are, are frustrated, but listen, Open it up. You let Kenny Pickett use his legs a little bit. Get him out to the pocket making throws. That back shoulder between Pickett to Pickens is unstoppable. Like, that's been like the one hallmark of the Steelers passing game, obviously with, with Deontay Johnson, who's an excellent number two in this league, with Deontay Johnson missing all but the season opener up until yesterday. The back shoulder uh, uh, throw between Pickett and Pickens, it's incredible. It's, 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 it's You know, those two are on the same page often. Uh, big time win by the By the way, potentially a season-saving win to a certain degree, and that might sound like a price since week seven. It can't be season-saving. If they'd have lost it three and three, not like one and not one and five, I say that because Baltimore won yesterday, Cleveland won yesterday in the one o'clock window, and Cincinnati's idle. And since, you know, Cincinnati's sitting there at three and three, they obviously played this week against, against the 49ers. But Pittsburgh was in a position where you need to win this game. I mean, if you drop to three and three, your hopes of winning the division are pretty much dashed despite just beating Baltimore two weeks ago. You keep pace with the Ravens. You're a half game behind them. You're ahead of the Browns because you have the tiebreaker against them. So big, big win for the Steelers. By the way, given the fact this was my upset of the week as well, uh, but given the fact they got to face Trevor Lawrence next week, now it's in Pittsburgh, so that, that, that makes me feel good. Uh, the Steelers uh, undefeated at home aside from the opening opening game against the 49ers. But that's listen, Trevor... I, Trevor, this could be Trevor's toughest test of the year given the defense he's facing in Pittsburgh, but I mean, listen, Steelers Nation, what can't TJ Watt do? What can't this man do? He gets the quarterback and he can play. Again, we see we see the occasional defensive lineman get the pick. You know, big man with the football. We've seen that. TJ Watt didn't get like a, a tipped ball interception where quarterback throws the pass, he gets his hand up and tips it to himself. T.J. Watt was playing in the slot. He was playing as a slot corner on the first play of the second half. Stafford, and I don't blame Stafford for this, literally didn't see him. 
He's got to be thinking, okay, TJ's not a, a threat to make a play here. And TJ Watt steps in front of the Stafford throw, makes a play, uh, gets the ball down to, I think it was like the six or seven yard line. And and, and uh, Kenny Pickett punches it in on a quarterback sneak to give us the lead at that point in the game. Again, Miles Garrett is amazing. Micah Parsons is, is a special talent. TJ Watt's a class by himself. There are things that he can do from a physical and a, and an, uh, you know, a, 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 an instinct standpoint that other players in the league simply can't do. And I'm going to say it right now, folks. TJ's better than his brother. And we know what JJ, when JJ Watt was in his prime, Lord have mercy, that guy was unstoppable. TJ's better. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year, for, as I said before the season. He's still got a chance, a chance, I still believe he can do this and will do this, to break Michael Strahan's single-season sack record. Uh, he tied it in 2021. Uh, yeah, it was 2021. He tied the record to Strahan. He's going to break it this year. And, uh, man, he's so good. I mean, he is. TJ's a monster. Uh, but great, man, great se- win of the season for the Steelers. The win against Baltimore is great because the Ravens, I'm learning now as a new Steelers fan to hate the Ravens. I've always respected Baltimore, and I've always been a Lamar Jackson fan, but I'm learning slowly but surely to hate the Ravens. So that win felt great, but it was kind of like, yeah, but our offense sucked until two minutes left. Uh, But yesterday, listen, down 17-10. I'm getting a little worried. Like, man, unless the defense gets a takeaway, I'm not sure our offense can move the ball down the field consistently. Put back-to-back touchdown drives. Uh, throwing it down the field, taking shots deep. Kenny Pickett making some big-time throws against pressure. Aaron Donald right in his face multiple times. Love it. Love what I'm saying for Kenny. Fourth quarter Kenny, y'all, I'm telling you. I keep saying, and I, I did this. I put out a video last week. got a lot of traction, especially within Steelers Nation, is that, listen, is Kenny the talent of a Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Lorton? Heck no. In no. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Of course not. But again, there's some... There, I said this last year when he led a game-winning drive against the Ravens to keep the Steelers' playoff hopes alive at that time. There's some intangibles about Kenny Pickett. He's got that. It's so cliche, and it's overused. I get it. He's got the it factor. Whatever it is, he's got it. Calm under pressure. Uh, again, accuracy was a little spotty. It really has been all season long and all career, all of his very young career long. Uh, second half, he was money. I mean, he made some big-time throws down the field to Johnson, to Pickens. Uh, some big third-down conversions on, on multiple drives there, including the last drive of the game, to milk the rest of the clock. He's He's got the capability to be a franchise quarterback. I really believe that. And uh, Matt Canada finally let Kenny be Kenny. Not let, It's not like let Kenny cook, like the let Russ cook thing three years ago. But it is a, again, the, the job of an O.C., because we know an offense runs through a quarterback more times than not. Obviously, the running game matters too, but Majority of your office success will come from come from the quarterback position. The primary job. We good? Sorry, my mic just went out there for a second. Make sure we're okay. Sorry. Okay, sorry. We were dealing with some mic problems right there just a second ago. I don't know. I don't know what's up there. But anyways, you get my point. So, yeah, the job of an OC is to play the quarterback strengths, and that's that's what Matt Canada finally did yesterday. This is this amazing, this amazing feeling. It's like this. this I mean, my, my mood, the whole game, whole second half was just just unbelievable. Finally, it is time. Yeah, great to see Kenny do what he did. 
I did, yeah. Love seeing Kenny Pickett. Great win for my Steelers, though. Gets a good Rams team. Okay, uh, Dak, you got a big game against the Rams on Sunday, buddy. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. It's tough defense. Kenny Pickett can do it. Then I know my man Rain Dakota Prescott can do it. To the next game. Just talk about good quarterback play, good play calling. Let's move to a guy who we can objectively say, Packers fans, cheeseheads out there, he's not your answer. Broncos beat the Packers 19-17. Uh, uh, I did pick the Broncos to win this game in large part due to the clear limitations of Jordan Love. So, uh, again, we talk about the stories of this game. The story of, of games are always the winner. Uh, in this case, I think it's the losing team. Um, this is kind of a... This was kind of a water... Not, not a watershed moment, but kind of like a an aha moment if you could ever have one as a, as a Packers fan as the Packers organization as well, where it's it, actually, honestly, I think the Packers organization knew it, but the fans maybe weren't quite as receptive to it. Cheeseheads and, and, and folks out there were like, Hey, where's cheesehead Ozzy Bryson? Cheesehead Ozzy is reserved for when Packers fans get their hopes too high for a game. And it just all comes crashing down. Yesterday was predictable. Even despite the fact that Denver's defense has not been good for the vast majority of this season. And we know it's going to be a fire sale in Denver pretty soon. I mean, the, the trade deadline's a week from, I think a week from tomorrow. And you're going to have Cortland Sutton potentially on, on the trade block. Jerry Judy even more so on the trade block. Like Denver's going to Denver's gonna try and acquire picks. Denver's going to go into the rebuild. Uh, when not they're able to do it with Russell Wilson, given that contract remains to be seen. But again, the point of this all is, Jordan Love's in a situation where you got two weeks to prepare for the for the, for the Broncos. The Broncos defense has been struggling all season long. The Broncos have no momentum coming off of that loss to Kansas City, an underwhelming offensive performance. They're one and five on the season. There's nothing going right in Denver. Nothing going right. This was Jordan Love's game to win, and it certainly does not get easier for the Packers down the road. Again, it used to, uh, future schedule matters. So you got the Vikings who don't have a great defense, but then again, neither do the Broncos. Then you got the Rams. It's tough defense. St I, listen, listen. On November 12th, I don't know what my Steelers are going to do to Jordan Love. We, we may get five interceptions. We, we may get five interceptions off this dude. He's not the guy. And, and again, it, it's listed the stat um, for, for Love. On passes, this just shows you how, how I don't want to say talentless, but how many limitations are there. On passes of 10 or more yards down the field, Jordan Love's completion percentage was 38%. You got to spread the ball around the field. And you see how LaFleur, you saw it especially against the Raiders, who, again, don't have a good defense. You have a, a, a D2 quarterback carving up this, 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 this Raiders defense. Jordan Love put up 13 points on him. Back up in Chicago, put up 30 on him. Tua, who's a fringe top 10 quarterback, Hung 70 on them and wasn't even in the game for some of it. Jordan Love dropped 17. And by the way, both his touchdown passes, both of them should have been interceptions, especially the first one. Now we know uh, Packers fans, uh, painful memory, Green Bay, but y'all know as well as anybody from 2012 during the the, the referee uh, holdout and lockout or the, the whatever it was when the college referees were doing NFL games, there was all these bad calls. The fail Mary back in 2012, Golden Tate uh, from the Seattle Seahawks. Packers fans know, and that should have been an interception for the record. But we all know the tie-up goes to the offensive player. It's we, we say the rules benefit the offense in the NFL. Uh, that's one of them. 
If, if it's the cornerback or whoever it is, if the defensive back and the wide receiver catch a pass at the exact same time, both guys have the ball, it's a touchdown, not an interception. The benefit of the doubt goes to the wide receiver. And that's what was, that's what happened. Uh, Patrick Sertan's in perfect position to make the play, to make the interception, and Romeo Dobbs makes the play of the day, even though the Packers lost, the play of the day stepping in and literally not just, you know, uh, forcing Sertan, uh, you know, for, and, and, you know, forcing Sertan not intercept the ball. You got Sutton, um, um, Dobbs coming in and catching the ball for a touchdown. And then the second play, which was, I think, a fourth down and goal, ball's tipped to the air multiple times. And gets caught for a touchdown. So not even Love's two touchdown passes were, were, were good throws. I mean, how many times if you're a Packers fan or anybody watching the games in general, watching games, watching the Packers play, you're like, oh, God, this, this kid's really, really inaccurate. I mean, I think since week two, or since week three, rather, his stat line is like four touchdowns, seven picks. And Packers fans were just on me, all, especially during training camp. And Love had some good preseason games, and especially after he had that one game against the Bears defense. You know, most quarterbacks play well against them, but that's neither here nor there. You know, when coordinators didn't have film on him, Packers fans were just lecturing me. Oh, he's the guy. You just got to watch. You got to feel the love, baby. Like a, what is this, the 1970s hippie era? I mean, what is this? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling any love from this guy, okay? He's a, hate to <laughs> use the term I use all the time for Mac Jones, but it's true. Love's a backup. He's got a good arm, but he's very antsy in the pocket. Doesn't look comfortable back there. Uh, his inaccuracy is, I mean, what's he complete? 50-some percent of his passes. He's just not good. He's not accurate in the slightest on throws of tenor. Basically, throws that aren't dink and dunks. Throws that aren't to Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon or or little, little, little routes to, to, to Luke Musgrave. You can't produce. So, the good news is for Green Bay, you're two and four. There's still talent on the Packers roster. Jair Alexander's great on the defensive side. I like Christian Watson, who, by the way, Jordan Love got hurt in that game because he waited. Christian Watson was open late in the game, and Love just flat out missed him. Uh, and he well, actually didn't miss him. He threw the ball way too late, and Watson got hit, and he missed the rest of the game. So, you know, knock him with it. He's able to come back pretty soon. But, listen, he's not the guy. Love's not the guy. So, I'm not feeling any love, Packers fans. So, listen, no cheese said Ozzy today. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I didn't have the heart to do it. I, listen, Packers fans are nice. My sister's a Packers fan. Even she, even she's kind of come to terms with it a little bit. You know? You lose to Russell Wilson, the Broncos, and especially in particular that terrible defense. You got to kind of look yourself in the mirror if you're the Packers. And honestly, I think they have. They'll draft a quarterback, and we'll see what he's able to produce. But Love's not the guy. What else? What other games we have? Oh, that's it. Okay. That's a recap of the, the NFL in week seven. And I'll, I'll predict the the Niners-Vikings game in just a second. I think game kicks off in a little, little more than a, than a half hour. Uh, but more importantly, this listen, every game in the NFL is big, especially when it's on Monday Night Football, but a far bigger game with far greater stakes. What did the late, great Bill Russell say? The best two words in the sports are game seven. Well, we can say those words tonight. Game seven, Texas Rangers, Houston Astros, two nights from uh, Minute Maid Park, I think is where it is in Houston. Game seven, and fr frankly, it's fitting that the series comes down to this. It's been back and forth. Again, the home team has yet, it's wild. Again, it's it's almost, if the Rangers win tonight, it'll be a repeat of the 2019 World Series that uh, where, the, where the home team does not win a single game the whole way through. That's been the case thus far. 
But listen, uh, Houston right now is, is the Vegas favorite to win the game. They should be. We understand that. They're defending World Series champions. Uh, the game is at home, although... As I mentioned, home field has been a little bit of a disadvantage. But you got Christian Javier uh, starting this game. He's been he's been outstanding. In the regular season he was in the playoffs. He has an ERA under one, uh, but. I'm sorry, an ERA slightly over one, 169. On the other hand, the Texas Rangers have, ironically, and baseball's so funny, ironically, Scherzer was the Nationals starter in Game 7 of 2019 when the Nationals won in a Game 7 in Houston, which is really funny to me. Uh, But Scherzer, Mets fans know this, was not great in the Mets' pinstripes and has not been good. Uh, And Texas had a bad Game 3 start uh, against the same Houston Astros team. But he's, he's got an ERA of over 11-0-1 record of the playoffs. Uh, he certainly passed his prime. I think that goes without saying. Uh, listen, I, I actually thought about doing a segment. Had the Astros won last night, I would have done a segment about what is Jose Altuve going to be more remembered for? Is it going to be the, the, the clutch hits in the playoffs, or is it going to be the cheating scandals? And you can make a compelling case for both. I, I, I can't lie. <laughs> this is a tough one, but... I'm going to go with Christian Javier to have a big-time performance, uh, to go six innings strong, the bullpen in Houston to get the job done. Uh, there's some bad blood between both these squads. I, I We saw that in Game 5, and then Jose Altuve you know, hit the, the dagger home run just barely over, over the fence in left field uh, in Texas. I picked Houston to get to the World Series before the season started. I'm going to go with them now. I'll say Houston wins this game 4-3. to three. I think it's close throughout, uh, but I think most of Houston's damage is done early. Texas's bullpen's actually been pretty good in this series. Uh, I think they will be tonight, but the problem is for Texas, their bullpen will be called on. I'll say third inning against this Houston Astros team. I have not liked what I've seen from Max Scherzer all season long with the Mets and with the Astros, so I will go with the Houston, I'm sorry, with, with the Mets and with the Texas Rangers. I'll go with the Houston Astros to win tonight 4-3 to three and get back to the World Series for this will be 17, 19, 21, 20, the fifth time in the last eight years. Seven years. I'm sorry. Seven years. Fifth time in the last seven years. Uh, two of those you can argue were certainly one of them you can. You can argue are illegitimate considering the, the, the whole cheating uh, debacle, which they got in trouble for. But ever since Duck Dusty Baker took over, man, seems legit. My man, Philip Chanel. What's up, Philip? Phillips in the comments, he says, Game 7 is going to be so wild. They are so even as teams this year. I'm excited to see it. Man, so am I. I can't wait. And by the way, it looks like we're going to get another Game 7 in the NLCS because the Diamondbacks are up on the Phillies 5-1. to one. Uh, Seventh inning has already come to an end in at Citizens Bank Park. So we may get a Game 7. How about the Arizona Diamondbacks, by the way? Okay, I mean, I, I picked against you know, every series this year. I'm like, guys, you know, they're too young. They're- Pitching's been outstanding. Offense has been opportunistic. Obviously got the walk-off win in Game 3. Exposed Craig Kimbrell in Game 4 to tie the series. And that hurts me to say, by the way, because Craig Kimbrell was our closer for the Red Sox in 2018 when we won the World Series five years ago. But he's he's not that same dude anymore. Okay, it's just it's not working. But we may get a Diamondbacks-Phillies Game 7. How about that? That'll be fun. Uh, but Game 7 tonight, I got Houston 4-3. Houston 40. And they do most of their damage early on Max Scherzer. As for the football game tonight, uh, before I do that, we got a home, or I'm sorry, we got a con- almost a home game because that's what Philip has in the comments. He says the Phillies seem to play a lot better at home. So if they lose this one, I'll take them in game seven. I, I-, I agree with that. Uh, this would be assuming, unless Philadelphia, which maybe I jinxed this because I said on Friday's show, 
It looks like the Texas Rangers are about to take a 3-2 series lead. Nope. <laughs> Jose Altuve made sure that wasn't the case um, in game five. So maybe I'm jinxing this again. Maybe the Phillies make some crazy comeback in these, these last two innings, but I don't, I don't, it didn't look likely. Uh, but yeah, Phil, Phillip's right. He says uh, the, he'll take, he'll take Philadelphia in a game seven. And again, this will be, assuming this holds up, this will be the Phillies' first home loss of the playoffs. And by the way, I think they only lost one game at home last year, two games at home last year, games four and five to the Astros who went on to win the series in a sixth uh, game to, to clinch, to clinch a title, to clinch a legitimate title, by the way, because they cheated in, in 2017. We all know that. I don't believe they, listen, I, I've talked about this before. I talked about this way back when in 2020, when this, when this all happened, I said this on my show. I said, look, they cheated. It's an illegitimate championship. That said, I do not believe in stripping titles. I don't, I, I don't, I don't love that. It just, I don't know. Maybe it's just how I look at it. Like when you look at the series, look at the, the archives and this team won in 1972 and you just keep going down the list. You're like 2017 vacant. It's like, well, then what was the season for? Which Dodgers fans, Major League Baseball fans can make that case. Frankly, I understand. I, I, I bet Astros fans, I'm not one of them. I'm a Red Sox. I'm a Red Sox fan, but I can imagine Astros fans, maybe themselves felt cheated. Like, dang, we got our first championship and it wasn't, we, we had to cheat to do it. But they got a real one last year, and they have a chance to go back-to-back. Haven't had a back-to-back World Series champion in two decades. Two decades when the Yankees did it. Would love nothing more than for Houston to break that streak. Any streak that involves the Yankees, you know, break it for us. Or break it for, for us Red Sox fans out there. Please do that, Houston. But on another note, then we'll get out of here. As far as the football game... We've got the San Francisco 49ers and the Minnesota Vikings tonight in U.S. Bank Stadium. The 49ers on the road are a seven-point favorite. So, at for San Francisco, Devo Samuel's out of this game. He got hurt last week against Cleveland. Doesn't look to be, according to reports, to be a long-term injury. So, he should be back sooner rather than later. Uh, but the Niners and Debo, I assume, are going to play it cautious tonight. He's not going to be able to go. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, however, is going to be able to go. He didn't finish the game last week due to an injury against Cleveland. He's going to be back tonight for uh, for the 49ers. Look, Brock Purdy, you know, I, I know we love to overreact to to underwhelming Brock Purdy performances, uh, which there's not many of them. Uh, the Brock, Brock Purdy hate is real out there. I, I found that out last week, man. When Brock Purdy finally lost his first game, it was, man, it was merciless by the media. Oh, my God. He's, I told you he's not the guy. When he asked him to win the game, it, it's like, well, Brock Purdy isn't the... Again, put, let me put the list up one more time. He's not the blank check, guys. Okay, he's not any of these people you see on the screen. For the podcast audience, it's the blank check, guys, I mentioned earlier. Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Hurts, Lamar, Dak, Herbert, and Josh Allen. He's not those guys. He's not. I uh, can't carry you, but... But you put him in position to win the game. He's able to lead you to to to, to, to a position to win the game. He's accurate. He's mobile. Uh, we see him. He does have a game winning drive in his resume against the the Raiders last year. I know it's Vegas. I understand that. Uh, but he was good in that game. Uh, ten, ten touchdowns, only one interception. Up until last week, he was the MVP discussion, and it's 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 a perfect perfect dish for him and the Niners because simply put, this Minnesota Vikings defense has been. Not what I thought it'd be, because we know it was bad last year. It was one of the worst scoring defenses and one of the best, worst pass defenses in the NFL last year. But I thought, hey, they bring in Brian Flores. Maybe they get it right. Maybe they will when it's all said and done, but it'll probably be too late for them to contend for the playoffs. Look, they gave up 13 points. It's the Bears' offense. We don't expect much from them. Uh, but gave up 34 to Philly. Gave up 28 
to the Chargers, gave up 27 to Kansas City, uh, but a ton of yards. Again, these are good offenses that I'm mentioning, but uh, not holding them in check whatsoever. So why on earth would I expect them to, to do so against Brock Purdy? Sturdy Brock Purdy, by the way, and this 49ers offense. And we know we have the, the old tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. Kirk Cousins, Monday Night Football. It's not a good combination. And Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football with no Justin Jefferson against the San Francisco 49ers defense. I think at this point, y'all know where I'm leaning. Give me the San Francisco 49ers tonight to cover the seven-point spread and win by a final score of 34-16 to over the Minnesota Vikings. I think there's a lot of sort of a, not a revenge-type situation, but for San Francisco, look, they're pissed off coming off of last week. They're like, man, we lost to P.J. Walker. Uh, we, we didn't get anything going offensively. Like, we are we do not feel good about where we're at. So, like I said, give me the 49ers in this game, 34-16 to over the Minnesota Vikings to get to a record of 6-1 and one and keep pace uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles at the top of the NFC. San Francisco wins. That's a pretty easy one. So if, if you're, if I were a betting man, if I were a betting man, what are I a betting man? Take San Francisco in the points. Take San Francisco. 34-16, that's what I got. All right. Real quick before we get out of here, quick announcement. So... Obviously, carving it up is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. Y'all know that. But we've got a special episode of Carving Up Live tomorrow night at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific time on YouTube and Twitter. Same places as you, as always. Uh, the Carving It Up 2023 through 24 NBA tip-off show. Uh, this will be, I think, the third straight year I've done this where I make my NBA predictions for the season, uh, recap some of the, the big storylines coming into the year. So standings, you know, a 1 through 15, who's out of the play-in tournament, who's in the play-in tournament, who's in the playoffs, who's the one seed, all that for East and West. I'll make award predictions, MVP, rookie of the year, coach of the year, all that. And then most importantly, who wins the NBA championship there? There's a ton of contenders at West, some, some contenders. Okay, let's be honest, two. <laughs> to Boston and Milwaukee out east. I don't really trust anybody else. I like where the Knicks are going, but I don't see them as a contender. Uh, and Philadelphia is a total mess, and Cleveland's Cleveland. It's, they don't win championships unless the greatest player ever is there. Uh, so may, the, the carving up NBA 2022, uh, I'm sorry, 2023 through 24 tip-off show tomorrow at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific time on Carving It Up Live. Definitely be sure to, to tap into that tomorrow. And then... Just three hours later, three hours at least after I start that show, tune in for the 8 o'clock spot live on the Grid Network's YouTube channel and Twitter account. Okay, it's going to be a blast uh, that night. We'll have some great panelists. Uh, we weren't able to do it last week. We didn't have enough people to do it. I was coming back home from, from, from Disney World, so just weren't able to make it happen. But we'll be back tomorrow for the 8 o'clock spot. Uh, Barry Grant Jr. is the leader, but Alfred Parser Jr., who was on the show last week, shout out to Alfred. He's uh, he's he's gaining on Barry. Uh, we got some other people that are in the race too, so uh, definitely be sure to tune in tomorrow, 8 o'clock spot. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time on the Grid Network. But before that, a little, little double dip, so to speak. Uh, check out the Carving It Up 2023 through 24 NBA tip-off show. All my NBA predictions as the season tips off tomorrow. By the way, with two great games, Lakers, Nuggets, and then you got Warriors, Suns. Cannot, man, season's here, baby. Let's go. Can't wait. With that, that is all the time we have for today. Well, hold on. Looks like we got a couple comments real quick. Uh... Taco, taco, uh, taco underscore taco. I'm going to correct that is in the comments saying we need the same officials for the rest of our game. Are you referring to, to I assume you're referring to the referees. 
talking about the Niners or or what? I don't know. I don't know. You talking about, oh, are you talking about uh the bad call that, that kind of screwed San Francisco over last week against Cleveland? Uh if so, I I don't think you'll need that. You'll you'll you you guys are dominate Minnesota. Patrick says new grid articles available as well. Absolutely check out Patrick's uh new stuff on the grids uh uh website. His first piece was on the Broncos last week. It's an excellent piece. Uh, they always put out some new stuff as well. Put, put one out recently on James Harden. So check that out on the Grid Network's website. And with that, that's all the time All the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to go catch Carving Up Live on Wednesday. But first, tomorrow, the Carving Up 2023-24 through 24 NBA tip-off show at 5 Eastern. So an hour earlier than usual at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific time, right here on the Carving It Up YouTube channel and Twitter account, as well as the Grid Network YouTube channel. Of course, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. Uh, we're getting close to 500 now, so almost the halfway point. So if you have subscribed, thank you so much. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to carving it up live. I did not mean for that to rhyme, but you get the, you get the gist of it. If you haven't subscribed, come on, just takes a couple seconds. Subscribe button right there, really right there. The, the red one, yeah. Hit that, and you're subscribed. You're part of the Carving It Up uh, family. Greatly appreciate that as well. And of course, be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That's G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts, you can check it out on the Grid Network. Got some awesome content creators over there, so please, please check out all the amazing people out, uh, out over there, on uh, over here, rather, on the Grid Awesome content creators. Again, we're, we're, this, is, this is the prime of sports season. It is, it is, there's nothing better than October midpoint of the NFL season trade deadlines coming up next week. A lot of storylines regarding that. I assume we'll be talking about throughout the week and carving it up. We've got uh, baseball playoffs. We got a game seven tonight. looks like we're gonna have a game seven tomorrow night. Doesn't get better than that. NBA season starts tomorrow. College football's in full swing. Got a bet riding with, with, with Dalton, Dalton Brown here at the grid. And I'm going to, I'm going to win some money off of him. I'm just telling you right now. He's, he's the gambling expert on, on the grid. I'm going to win some money off him. I'm just telling you right now. All right. See y'all uh, tomorrow night on the Carving Up 2023 through 24 NBA tip-off show. And then after that, the 8 o'clock spot. I'll see y'all tomorrow at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific here on Carving It Up. Until then, stay safe out there. Please be sure to please be safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. See y'all tomorrow. NBA season starts. Game seven tonight. I got the Astros four to three. Cannot wait. See y'all then. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Steelers, baby, let's go. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.